You're listening to The Dude Grow Show, coming straight out of Denver, Colorado, bringing you marijuana grow knowledge, news, and culture. At the tone, the time will be 4.20. Exactly. Yo, Grow Talk guys, how's it going? We got like record setting, Scotty. Maybe like 22 questions if I can hang in there yeah. on Grow Talk today. We'll see what happens, dude. What will happen? If you guys don't know. Well, we keep you on track. We'll get through all of them. But this is the show to uh, learn to grow the dank. Learn to grow the dank. It almost feels like a little bit of what's growing on, man. I'm trying to get. Trying to get in the vibe, we had a, a guest. A guest on. We did have a guest on the show to handle some awesome IPM questioning, and then Scotty and I both realized technical errors. So I'm trying to bring Scotty out of the. Uh, you said you might be a hard boiled Scotty today. No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine, man. I love it when shit breaks on me, man. When technical problems disappoint, man, and waste my time. I love it. The only reason that wasn't a waste of time, shout out to Shane from Natural Enemies, um, who I was talking to him this morning. I was trying to answer uh, Ambrosid Mites question, and he was just dropping fucking science, man, without an um or a stutter, just like he does it every day. Just bam, bam, bam. There's your solutions. And it wasn't as simple as that. It was, here's what you need to understand to get to your solutions. But man, that, that guy was awesome. So I, want, I just wanted to call him back we'll, and record We'll something. reenact it. When we get to the question, <laughs> we'll that's it. why it wasn't a complete waste of time because I was listening, so I did learn something. So I'm going to try. Yeah, I even, no, we'll get even him back on. Notes. We've done it before. Jaron from New Millennium was patient enough to do a triple take with our audio. You know, and you live and you learn, man. We're, we got better equipment now. We just got upgrade. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But with Grow Talk I'm glad we today. Yeah, I just want to make sure when everybody <laughs> feels you're being hard-boiled today, they know why. Uh, what is that? The other, it's, it's Simmering is the opposite of hard-boiled? Is that what it is? Yeah, simmer down now. <laughs> okay, I'm going to simmer, man. What do we got, brother? What do we got? Uh, wanted, to, wanted to, Brendan, it's Spectrum King. I'll give a shout-out to him because uh, I have to make a video that I am talking about making before I make it. But as you hear this, guys, there will be a video over on DudeGrows.com. I'm going to make a video of the garden with these 600-watt um, day almost 30 for the flow in there, and everything is looking beautiful. So i got to get that video out, and you guys are going to like what you're seeing under these 600-watt Spectrum Kings that I did not move the whole time. I'm liking them as a light. I just, you know, just like you do with the double-ended. Mounted to the ceiling. Hang on. i got to do not my raised... John Goodman imitation, man. Dude, you're not fucking okay, this okay. up for us, are you, man? <laughs> And it is, uh, it's going to be dope. I miss making it, man. i got to get more videos out, and I'm putting my foot in my mouth when I say that, and I don't do it. I like making videos in the garden. That's all I used to do. Uh, but, you know, now we're podcasting. I just have t- trouble doing it all. It is, it is true, man. I will say, man, mad respect. You've, you've been a, a huge help as we've gotten this new site going and all this new stuff going, man. So uh, I do understand, but go get a video out, out man. People like to see you in the garden. 
Definitely. If you guys are inspired to check them out, go over to uh, Spectrum King LED and use coupon code DUDESK if you pick up anything over there. Listen to some of the past shows. We definitely got some peeps in the crew using the uh, Mother's Little Helper and Closet Case. Uh, Bud McLovin, I think he's in this episode, actually, man. He was digging the closet case for some growing some dope in the closet. What else? Yeah. All right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's an interesting question, man. Nice tease. Nice tease. All right, well, if I get to shout out somebody, I'm going to shout out to Grow More. I'm, uh, I'm going to kiss, kiss butt to my boy Jake, man, and get him back on the show, man, because, God, he knows so much about it. You know, I had the silica question I was looking at today, and I was like, man, I sure, do, I sure wish uh, Jake from Grow More could chime in on this, man. So, uh, yeah, which we just uh, need to get him back on the show. And a lot of people are running those Grow More powders with dosatrons. I've seen it. Real inexpensive way to grow. Uh, so those Grow More powders are out there. And uh, the, what are they, the Mendocino line, I think is what they're called. No, good stuff. Good people behind the company. Uh, early supporters of the Dude Grow Show. And uh, shout out it's to like you, like the Grow word More. with anything Tron in it. Dosatron. Ah, uh, well, you know. they are. They're probably like from the, the 80s. I'm thinking of like going, we're going to go to this plant show in a couple of weeks, the TPIE, Tropical Plant Indoor Expo. And the guys that are selling stuff to commercial ag people, like the Dosatrons, they, they're commercial ag products. And just it's just yeah. a different mentality. You know, you're like, this is, uh, you know. Think of the movie Tron, okay? <laughs> it is kind of blue and looks like the movie Tron, man. Maybe there's something there. But they're, they're proportional yeah. injectors is what they are. They take a little bit of, you know, they'll suck a proportion of, you know, from one container to another, regardless of pressure. You know, that's the important thing. When you try to do some of this stuff, you give it a little more pressure, all of a sudden you're sucking up a lot more nutrient. So that's what's cool about a dosatron. Proportional injector. Word. Let me get the executive producer here out of the way. Not out of the way in a bad way. I just get antsy to get to the grow talk, man. Yay. 808-808-LA the dog or is that what it saying, is, 808, man? 808-LA the dog? I was thinking 808 the lathe dog. You know, like he's on the lathe all day at the metal shop, at the machine shop, man. He's the lathe probably dog. probably right. I don't know. But it could be LA the dog, Appreciate it became a new member. Appreciate the support of the show. Actually got a question in Grow Talk as well, so we'll be covering that coming on up. Yeah. You guys yourselves can uh, become members or go over to dudegrows.com and log on in. Donate one time. Become a $10 a month member. If you use Recharge, it's a no-brainer. 30% off Recharge, so hook it up. Absolutely. All right. Hey, man, I want... Oh, dank Nug. What's up? Yeah, I want to show some love to uh, with some Dank Nugs, man. Do you see Doman over here? Doman's a fairly new to oh, the, the scene, man. I haven't been saying his name for years, but he's come on the scene pretty strong. And I'm looking, he threw up a, uh, says Field of Dreams. And it's like this three strains that he's grown. Looks like he's grown Gorilla Glue. A day uh, 50, he puts up the day here, yeah, in three different types. Yeah, Alaskan Thunderfuck, which is ATF, and uh, Island Sweet Skunk. And, yeah, really, Andrew, the Island Sweet Skunk looks like it should. You know, that's a, you know, it's, yeah, it looks good. Yeah. What are the, all those, so are those the pistols? Is that the official, like the little hairs, you know, that are all shooting out? First they're white, and of course they all I believe color so. out. I believe so, man. Don't quote me, man. I would probably get a C if I took a botany class right now, maybe a D. I would study and get an A, though. You know that. We'll just go with them, them damn hairs on the, the, the hairs on that flower there. Um, but anyway, yeah, it looks great. Appreciate it. That flower is really hairy. Thousand nugs, thousand nugs for getting into deck nugs. Is that yeah, what you did or what? Yeah, a pothead assistant goes over and throws a thousand nugs out of a, a sign of respect, and uh, that's what is that beautiful. worth in dollar amounts? Man, I don't like ten, you know, ten dollars worth of product probably. And uh, hey, there's some good stuff over at the Nug Vault, man. There's uh, the jackpot bags are over there. I was looking, and uh, then what the hell? Oh, 
dude, there's all these uh, silicone containers. I want to say the Poundhouse guys showed up at the last DGC Cup with a whole bunch of silicone containers. So, uh, you know, for dabs and stuff like that, or even good for holding a gram or two of, of weed without stinking. So, uh, yeah, we threw those on there. There's just a bunch of little little stuff that we get, man. Dude, there's a couple can fans. Yeah. There's some grow journals. Are you selling the human <laughs> the humanure handbook <laughs> autographed by Scotty Real? That was uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was uh, uh, Grow Guru's idea because we ordered an extra copy of it. So yeah, that already sold. And uh, the, how's the t-shirt stash going? Do you know what the sizes are getting slim on or anything? Or? Just the smaller sizes, I think we got. I think we got. A, you know what though? It's about time to reorder those. So we live and you learn. We should reorder a little bit of those, man. Oh, we got a couple orb uh, vape kits, uh, a source orb three in here as well. Sweet. Yeah, there's some nice stuff over there. Right? That was my goal was to really try to take all these things that were concepts. You know, the the, the nug vault was an idea. Hey, let's you know all this swag that people are giving us and all these companies are giving us. Let's give it out to the crew. You know, especially the people that contribute and help us to the, make the website. So, uh, but it, it's it's actually coming to fruition now. I got Grow Guru and Pothead Assistant helping out and actually you know going through and 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 listing things so yeah i don't know seems good to me man i'm enjoying it i'm digging Word. what we're building go- brother well i'm gonna start to grow talk man no start no grow talk <laughs> let's do we're it. gonna have a test today of uh getting through like i said about 20 something questions i do want to get caught up you know i think somewhere along the line we got a little bit of a uh behind and i feel like i'm you know not gonna pass this class if i don't hit it up so <laughs> Transplant before flowering Hang and on. pH I question. got one thing to say about that, man. What? I started listening yeah. to a new book recently. It's all about the history of cannabis, and uh, it's great. And I was like, man, I should listen to I want to absorb this information. I should listen to it at like one and a quarter speed or one and a half speed. And I was like, fuck no, man. I was like, this is 12 hours of goodness right here. And after it's over, it's over, man. So just chill and enjoy it. Chill and enjoy <laughs> it, dude. Enjoy the ride. All right. PDX Joe is asking about transplant before flowering and pH question. Hey, dude and Scotty, thanks for the great show. The help you put out for the DGC, right on. No worries. I am growing a scrog in a 3 by 3 closet and have two plants in 3.5-gallon auto pots. I've been vegging for about eight weeks and was planning on going into flower about a week. Okay, vegging eight weeks. That's like two months, I hear. Might be a little long. Um, kind of I'm noti- what kind of what kind of uh, lights he got? Because it doesn't matter. The more light you have in there, the faster you can veg. Yeah. So, because however, I am noticing some signs of what I think might be root-bound plants. The leaves have become droopy, and the new growth looks a bit stunted. Would it be okay to transplant these plants into larger six-gallon auto pots before I go into flower? If so, how long should I wait to let the plants settle into their new home before starting to flower? So he's got some photos here. He goes, here are the photos of the current plants, root ball size from about a week ago. Um, so, I mean, you he's... think, man? You think that plant's root bound? I mean... I mean, it's definitely got some roots on the bottom start to start, starting to wrap around and whatnot. But. Sure. I mean, th- there's nothing... I don't know. If, depending on what phase of growth you're in, I'm okay to be root bound. Right. As long as I'm feeding my plant and maintaining it and, you know, if it, keeping it flushed, whatever... But that, guys, we're looking at a picture here over on DudeGrows.com. He's got his roots, like, you can pull the plant right out of the container. Um, and at the very bottom, you can see his roots are starting to mass up, like, in a mass at the lower couple inches. So I would try to transplant, man. He's just about to go to flower. I mean, think how much more 
His, you know, it would be. Hey, what is you're gonna get more production pot, if you. Real, I'm sorry to interrupt, but real quick. Yeah. It, it, on, aren't those auto pots? Are they dual root zones, or isn't that like the bottom watering system? Maybe that would be the reason why there's so many roots down there. I'm just wondering, because they, they are. It is auto pots, and that is it's kind of like a tray. I don't think it's dual root zone, but you, you know what I mean. It does have some kind of a, a bottom feeding type of thing, waking type of thing, right? Auto pot. Yeah, I would assume though if he's in a three and a half gallon auto pot, and then auto pot also has a six gallon size, shouldn't any be any reason he can't? Same system. I agree. Just a different like. Especially yeah, if you bet for them. eight weeks. After eight weeks, yeah, I would step those things out of a three and a half gallon container. Yeah, if you're exactly. Grow them for and eight then more weeks, definitely. So, what do you think? Give them a, ten days to root in. A week, ten days to root in. Dude, if you're on a schedule, right? I mean, and and your plants look happy and they don't stress. You know, you have a lot of if you have really healthy plants, you sometimes you can transplant them and they don't even blink. I have no problem with you going right to flower the same time you transplant um, because you're gonna want you know you don't want them to get rooted but out again. If they were looking great, I would say that you know then you know, if you got a perfect yeah. plant, but they're not looking great. Take a look at the canopy; they're a little bit you know a little bit. Yeah, if they look droopy or off droopy. or slightly deficient, just wait, you know. But I transplant them into that six gal wait like one one light cycle, and the lights turn on again, and they look happy as hell. Share, go to flowering. I would um, since they're in the scrog. Uh, well, I guess you can get them out of that scrog. It looks like he, can, he just started screen, you know, scrogging his screen of green. So it looks like he could get them out of there easy enough. I would transplant. I would definitely transplant those things and then rescreen them, and then maybe even do a little bit of trimming where I just cut the tops of of each one of those so it still stays in the screen but that you know has to grow a new top and just force it to grow some new tops get rid of that ugly growth and just push some new healthy growth on it uh and then on to the ph part of the question he goes also i know a lot of growers say to aim for ph of around five five to six one when growing in hydro i've also read that it's good to stay in the lower part of this range for vegging and the higher part of this range for flowering do you find this to be the case or does it really matter as long as you're in the range five five to six one, hmm, what do you think? I mean, I've, for me being, go ahead. Yeah, I, I find that you know I use a lot of microbes. I was going to say with that transferring, I'll be the the recharge shill. Man, when I do that kind of stuff, that's when I use. I rely on that recharge as a crutch. Man, I use it sometimes really heavy. I'll take a, you know a half a scoop or a whole scoop sometimes and put it in my uh, my, my two gallon watering can and just water the you know just microbe and just just uh, just water the hell out of that plant. And usually I'll trim it as well. So I'll trim it. I'll give it a foliar and and I'll water it really heavy with, with some microbes, low nutrient, uh, high microbes. And uh, yeah, I can usually get those plants to pop. I've had plants that look kind of shitty, like you know, not shitty. I'm don't, don't mean to insult. That look mediocre like that. That you can get back. It looks like at one time those plants were really thriving. Um, hey, he's using recharge once a week already. Okay, heavy it. Heavy, right transplant those things and heavy it up. And you know, I would get I would be a little bit heavy handed on the recharge and just you know just for a, a transplant time, you know, one or two times and see if it works. Um, a lot of times I find that it helps me and it makes, if you are using recharge heavy, then it helps with the pH question too. I keep my pH above five, five and, uh, that's all I need to do. You know, as long as it doesn't get too low, the microbes do the work. If I let it go, you know, in the five Oh area and whatnot, the plants do start looking like shit, but above five, five, my microbes do the work, man. That's all I need to do. Yeah, that uh, professor was chiming in saying he's like five eight to six. I do about the same for my cocoa. I'm uh, I don't go below five eight, and I I try to keep it right there. But if I'm you know mix everything in and it's like six three, I'm not going to try and readjust it. I'm not going to sweat it that much. But five eight to six, I'll agree with the professor on that in the comments as far as being a 
a good little range there if you want it. Yeah. Agreed. All right, let's go on. Let's go on. Thanks for the uh, question there, PDX Joe. Yes. Get you guys own grower questions in dudegrows.com and uh, make any fun username you want, such as Superman or green grower guy you know yeah hey, I'm, he, I'm getting a decent up? amount of questions over like instagram and signed uh facebook chat and even on my text and whatnot and i love hanging out and talking to the dgc but it's kind of hard for me to really get into a grow question on you know in that form on you know on my phone like that you know i forget that i'm in the conversation i'm doing something else so the best thing for all those grow questions is to put them on the on the dude grows.com uh you know grower section just ask a grower question and that way you get all the expert tutors man of the uh, of the dgc in the comment section shit that's all i'm doing most of the time anyway is learning from those guys hell yeah all right we're gonna talk about lighting upgrade yes by skunk works skunk works is up dude with a z pretty smooth there is up smooth <laughs> that way it can't be sup so i think about stand-up paddleboard what's <laughs> up dude and scotty i've been lurking deep in the heart of prohibition land since around show 100 Thanks for everything you guys do. So he goes, my local tomato salesman stopped selling tomatoes, so I decided to you grow my changed, own. changed, man. <laughs> I have one plant in a 2 by 4 tent flowering under cheap Mars Hydro LED and a four-bulb T5 that I run vertically. So he's got uh, some good side lighting going there. And then let's see. So let's. What is that? The four bulb. That's a two hundred watt fixture there. What about the Mars Hydro LED? Don't they, they claim quick. it's three hundred watts? Uh, yeah, What's I up? have no idea. I don't know much about that. But how far out you think uh, uh, a T five throws? You know what I mean? Like how far out you think it penetrates? I know, like regular T eights, those old school fluorescents only only throw out about I don't know a couple inches. You know of, of usable lumens. How far you think a T five throws out? You think it goes you know six eight inches away, a foot away? What do you think? Um, you know, it depends on what, if you're veg or flowering, what you're trying to achieve. You want to keep it close, though, pretty much in either sense. I mean, you can have a T5 fixture as long as the plants are trained to that light an inch. You know, I have plants that almost grow within a quarter inch as long as they don't touch the bulb of the T5. Right. Like the, in veg, I'm trying to keep the stretch down. They're doing good. Same as in flower. If you're using it as a flower enhancer additive, then, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, you know. Try and you, you you want to have it close. Long story short, it doesn't throw super far. Is it throw eight inches though? Uh, I wonder. Sure. I wonder. I'd, I'd like I'd to know about it. that because I, I don't really have a lot of experience with T fives. I know you can burn them. I killed a clone with a T five by burning it. You know, so I mean, you can't get too much uh, too much light from a T five even for a little tiny plant. Yeah. All right, man. Well, didn't mean to distract. You did. Hundred. <laughs> I was just about to blurb a number out and say 180, just like I'm like Rainman or something. But it, it is, but it does pertain. I was figuring out the T5 fixture is 200 watts. And the Mars Hydro LED, I was just Googling around real quick. I think it's about 180 watts. So let's say he's running 380 or almost 400 watts in uh, this room. And he goes, I'm using a five-gallon pot using Poundhouse Soil Recipe and Recharge. Hells yeah. Because I got my local shop. Um, called it, it's aggressive gardening. Okay, I like the name of that shop. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know those guys, man. Right on. My uh, question is: Should I invest in better lighting, like a three fifteen? My concern is heat, since the temps max at eighty four, with my tent flat open and the room's AC running right now. I'd prefer to keep scrubbing the air and not vent it outside. Do you think a three fifteen 
or better LED would be the way to go. Yeah, for sure, dude. I mean, like, you know, I just that's why I added up his watts. Yeah. So he's running 380 watts now, and if he got rid of that Mars Hydro and that T5 and ran one three fifteen, he's not going to go any hotter than that current equipment. I don't think. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, that's what I'm, I, I mean, we just talked to uh, Bruce Banner, who's telling us that he just did some experiments in a. It's not really a basement, but it, yeah, oh yeah, it is a basement actually with ambient. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it, the three fifteens raise two degrees above ambient. Each one in its grow tent. You put two in there, it's four degrees. You put three in there, you got six degrees above ambient temperature. It's raising. So you put one in there, and you got two degrees above ambient. So I, I don't know that it's going to be much different than your Mars Hydro and your T5. The four-bulb T5, you know, what is that, 200 watts right there? Aren't they uh, like 53 watts yeah. per? Something like that? The four-bulb's 200 watts. Yep. Yeah. Or 54 watts per bulb's a little bit more or whatever. 216 I believe something like that. We got to do a Rain Man <laughs> skit. That'd be good. I think we should. I should think we should do it with Grow Guru busting out his lighting knowledge. Man, you know, four hundred thirty-six par watts equals three three hundred and sixty Kelvin temperature. I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying. No, you do not. Yeah, but I, I'm telling you, that's good, man. Get him as Rain Rain Man. Sometimes he starts spitting shit out like Rain Man. I'm like what? <laughs> but yeah, well, it depends on your budget, man. My vote would be a three fifteen. Or potentially uh, the like a, a better LED. If you want to stay LED, I tell you to look at like the four hundred pluses from Spectrum King, and uh, just decide what you want to do as a grower and, and weigh those two options. But it'll do better than what you got going on now. Yeah. So LED is is kind of what the wrap on that is is this just as as efficient as anything, right? Like that's leading the world in efficiency as far as. Um, innovation. I want to say they're up to like 58, 60% uh, light to heat efficiency, meaning that you're getting like 58% light, you know, with, uh, what is that, 42% heat? You know, that that's as good as it gets. I mean, I think an HPS is like, you know, 35% heat, or I'm sorry, 35% light, and the rest going out is heat. So it's, you know, it's pretty impressive. So I think HPS is the, is the, the best technology. I'm sorry, not HPS. LED is the best technology, and the maintenance cost on it as well, that you don't have to replace the bulbs. You don't have any lenses to clean. That's kind of cool, man, as far as comparing it to HPS and whatnot. Yeah, I dig on that for sure. But that, no bulb changing, no, like, yeah, no ducting, yeah. no air-cooled fan. But that being said, same with the 315. 315, there's no light. It's a 315-watt fixture. I mean, fuck, you can go to Home Depot and buy a 250-watt light, you know? So what's that? 315 watt fixture is barely any different than that. It doesn't need a bunch of special wiring. You can just plug a few of them right into the you know, into an outlet. You know, it's a uh, you know hardly any amp draw. So those are pretty freaking cool. Gotta say. Hey, as long as we're on this, let me tie in real quick because this next question continue uh, from to the Roach. He says, "What's up, Yo, Scotty? I have a question up, that fits Roach? in the be- <laughs> that fits in with the beginner questions." I'm getting ready to build out my new grow room. It will be split into two sections for veg and bloom. My question would be, what, and they said this is for a beginner. I don't know if he's a beginner grower, but anyway, his question would be, what veg lighting would you recommend to light up a four by eight area? I'm thinking a lot of beginners are on the budget, so keep cost of purchase in mind. All right. Thanks for the shout out on the Google Plus group. Good people and good knowledge. Loving it. So this caught my attention because it's like, all right, man, I'm on a budget. I got a four by eight area. I need to light it up. All right. Dowies, man. If I'm fucking trying to make some money, 
You know what I mean? I'm putting two thowies in there and blowing that shit the fuck up, man, and blasting out three and a half, four pounds out of that bitch. I don't know. And she's just go to the depot and get some T8s or T12s if you're on the budget. Old school Thowie, style. Dude, thowies are 279 Go to Home Depot. No, Jesus Christ. Freudian. <laughs> go to uh, Way to Grow. And for $269, you get yourself a complete thowie set up. You know? I mean, that's pretty impressive. But I know a lot of grocery stores have an inexpensive 1,000-watt HPS set up. Man, I'm just so saying, two thousand watts. So this is where not a big deal. You know, if it's winter and you're just blowing it up, and you can put it in your basement and just run a simple can fan out there. And shit, I'm running some lights now. I need the heat. I either run the lights as heat or the heater as heat. So, you know, if you're doing that and heat's not an issue, and you know you're kind of going for it and just want a big fucking yield of a bunch of flour, that's right. so two one thousands. Unless you got to air cool them. You know, that's, I mean, which will add a little expense for sure. 750 bucks for two 1000s air cooled. If you, if you meet me over at the way to grow, I'll introduce <laughs> you to the right people. Yeah. I mean, uh, which, why not? I mean, I guess you're saying because we're keeping it on the, on the budget minded. Well, no, yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. Most bang for the buck. Let's start there. This is a fun question. You know what I mean? So let's start there. That's least efficiency, you know, a lot of heat, but, you know, shit, you spent 750 bucks and you got almost four pounds of flour coming out of there. You know, that you can think about getting two pounds per light out of that thing if you do it right. You know, and I would say out of a, what, you're saying this is a, a four by eight, right? Yeah. So yeah. out of out of each four by four, you try to get yourself a pound and a half, two pounds. Interesting, very interesting. But now, if you uh, want to go efficiency, you, I mean, shit, you could probably do that same. That's two thousand watts. You could definitely, if you had enough money, you could go get two of those Spectrum King six hundreds, put those up. You're running twelve hundred watts. You don't have to replace bulbs. You don't have to clean glass. You don't have to worry about the uh, UV that you're losing from the glass. Um, kind of no, you know, no problem. Set it and forget it for the next what five six years. But you, you know, you spent how much? Are those fifteen hundred bucks a piece, sixteen hundred a piece, something like that? I don't even know. You know, so you're spending thirty two, you know, over three thousand dollars on the front side to pay for you know eight hundred less watts. You know, forty percent less watts, a lot less heat. You know, you're probably at fifty percent of your power consumption at that point. That's uh, you know, and, and no more, no bulbs that you have to rebuy or anything like that. So that's a hell of a lot of upside to that if you got the money up front. Well, if you want to continue on in the debate, <laughs> I noticed there's six comments on this. Well, uh, thanks guys, everybody's commenting on saying, "Hey man, they're thinking two T five eight bulb fixtures," and it really depends on how you know you want to pack that four by eight full or not. Nobody's really recommending just because Scotty's like the oldest in the crew. <laughs> no, not really, but saying, "Hey." Two and thousand watts, halides, bang them up there, you're good to go. That's which the I start hear you, of but... it. That's the top. You know what I'm saying? If you want to go, what do you want to do, man? Do you want to go for two pounds of light? Do you trying to be, you know, a commercial guy? You know, do you really need a lot of medicine? If so, man, crank. You know, you can do it with two thousand. That's the cheapest way. If you want to, you know, that's if you want to. Uh, you know, buy now and pay later, basically. If you want to pay all up front, you can go get two 1,200-watt Spectrum Kings, spend three grand or, you know, or something, whatever it is on those things, and uh, pay half on your power bill and don't have to go replace them, you know, $100 bulbs all the time. Uh, I'm sure that br- the break-even point is pretty quick there. So, and, and, there, yeah. and I mean, there's three 15s after that, man. If you wanted to go and just take, uh, you know, what would you take? Maybe, shit, six 315s or something like that? Four 315s? No, nah, four I don't think is going to be enough. 315s at three. Yeah, three. So you'd need six of them, bro. Bro. Don't you think? And that's, you yeah, know, bro. six times. That's two grand in lights, and you got to replace the bulbs and, 
I don't know. I, th- I like the yeah. Spectrum King idea if I got three grand laying around. The two Spectrum yeah, King Yeah, Don't 600s. forget to add up the bulb cost, guys. The same with the T58 bulbs, man. You should be replacing those every six months. And air cooling is freaking lame, man. The more I play with air cooling, the more. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if I have my choice of either air cooling or bare bulb, bare bulb is so goddamn clean. You put a nice new bulb in there. Yeah, it's doing what it's supposed to do. It doesn't have this glass screen that some freaking guy, you know, some 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 guy designed that after the fact, man. The guy that started with the HPS bulb wasn't like, yeah, and we'll put it in a glass case. <laughs> I guess so. You know, for street bulbs and stuff, I'm sure they have to be in glass cases. I'm going to have to retract that statement. But Yeah, you yeah. should. You should. J- just for perfect plant spectrum, though, I'm not sure if they're worrying about what glass case you're going to put it in. So I like to eliminate that. Well, before I see here, you want to you want to laugh at some memes. Let's do let's do one more here because you had mentioned we had an interesting uh, silica question here and uh, did a little research, I believe, as well as said there were some awesome comments on this one. Yeah, there um, really was, man. Check this out real quick. Yeah, this is when to <laughs> cut it out from Fish Ganja Gay, and uh, let's see here, sup gangsters. I know everyone here uses silica. Because if you want to grow the dank, you would be stupid not to. Okay. Okay. Don't be <laughs> stupid now. But when does everyone stop dosing silica? Right before the flush? Use it through the flush? What does everyone do? Let me know, DGC. Love fish. So. I mean, these guys are talking, you know, uh, Dine and Grow Dave, like I said, we can reference that. Just try to get him back on the show, man. Because he did do a lot of silica tests because he was trying to get it, uh, it approved. When you first have to get these things approved, uh, you have to prove that it works. You know, people are like, well, I don't know that a plant needs silica. And they make you prove that it works. So he had to go and do tissue tests and whatnot and say, okay, here's, you know, here's the silica deposited in the plant tissue. I don't think it goes out. I think it's in there once it's in there. No, isn't it? The plant cell walls are built of it. So I think once it's in there, it's, I don't think silica is leachable out of the plant. This is my my thoughts on it. We get a scientist as to long as you're it. giving me your thoughts and not just you know I don't know if you're asking me because I don't have that exact right answer. But in my non scientific realm, I yeah, can tell you I am asking for your non scientific mind, bro. That's what I'm trying to channel into here. I cut it out. I got to think about this. Is a deep question, man. I cut it out. Probably, it depends on what the flowers are looking like. You got to measure them. No, I'm just kidding. About week four and a half, week five. I don't need week six, seven, eight. I'm not using it. I have another grower friend that loves that rhino skin, and he uses it, I think, almost all the way through claiming it to add weight to the flowers. But what did you find in the comments, man? I didn't even get into these comments. Hey, real quick, I I will say something about silica. Is that uh, the owner of Way to Grow kind of taught me how to evaluate a silica product. If you're picking up like a gallon of silica, by the weight of the product, you can feel how much silica is dissolved in there. And you can take like, because I remember he picked up rhino skin. This is back when Advance was making a big play. Uh, And uh, it was like 90 bucks for the gallon of silica. But it was heavy, man. And when you poured that shit out, it was like gooey. You know, it was almost like, you know, viscous. It was, uh, or non-viscous, I could say, man. It was weird. It was like uh, like honey almost. So anyways, mm-hmm. but it was heavy. So you can feel it. And then you can go look at like uh, Blank Blank's silica. So I, I won't mention any names and trash anybody. But, um, you know, you can pick up one of these 2% silicas and it felt like a bottle of water. It felt like a gallon of water. So there's my little grower tip for the day, man. 
that you should bring your scale to the no, grocery store. No, you can and feel it. You can feel it, man. You can feel one gallon and be like, dude, feel this feels it. like a gallon. It's the feeling everyone's lost, man. All right. That's when you see me. Watch more song remains the same, all right? The music video you holds over up. up in the hydro store. I'm like, ooh, I'm just trying to salesman. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, just seeing, just seeing which silicone bottle is the heaviest, man. I'm feeling, brah. Feel oh, right the water on. I'm buying. When do you cut it out? What did you find here in the? Uh, I would go. I would use silica until just my own personal opinion. I would use it until I cut my nutrients out. So if I'm using it's the nutrients, same as what I'm using silica on here. Yeah, but hey, there is some great information here, man. You, why don't we read up on? Some oh, of hey, it? Maestro seems to agree with me. He says I stopped using silica halfway through flower. My plant should be strong enough. So he goes. The reason potassium silicate can interfere with phosphorus. Is because of their electrical charge. Whoa. Silica takes the charge of whatever it bonds to. Positively charged cations like potassium, calcium, and magnesium can bond to negatively charged anions. You got me? Like nitrates nitrites and phosphates creating lockout of both in too high of a concentration. This is exactly what I was thinking, Maestro. Yeah, but put see? a bro in here at least. I could see Maestro saying this to me. I, I was going to try to be like, I couldn't see, but I could. I could see him with a joint in his hand, you know, blunt in his hand being like, you know, you know, creating lockout of both if they're too high, bro. But you got to put a bro in there every now and again, man. Make me, make me believe it's really you. Make you now, right now, I think you might be kidnapped, man. I'm going to send somebody over there. You locked in the University yeah. of Florida Research Library, man? And the professor comes back with something that even more technical to read. Anyway, no, not a bad are, way. But these are great, it. man. And you yeah, know what this are. made me do? This made me just Google. And that's what's so fun about the Internet and the times we live in, man. Is before Is it? Because we'd have to go to – I was thinking about this. If you wanted information, you have to go to the library and look up this stuff and, like, be on the microfiche machine and ridiculous stuff. Yeah, but the library is where you meet chicks, dude. That is true. You know, uh, Strozier Library at FSU was rated in Playboy magazine as a top ten place to meet girls, and they were right. Yep, see? See? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but um, so I just uh, started Googling how, to, how do plants use uh, silica. And, of course, there's some brilliant articles out there, man. So I think there's, this is the one paper that he found. There's a good uh, paper out there. Um, it says, uh, plant, transport of silicon from roots to particles in plants. And you wanna, we should read this, man. You want to read it or you want me to? Go for it. <laughs> I'm going to take notes. There are a number of articles that talk about the way silica is absorbed by roots. So, I mean, just take that and search on it. You'll find some good stuff. Following uptake by the roots through, and this is the professor and me just trying to hang on here, brother. He's dropping signs. The LSI-1 and LSI-2 silica is translocated to the shoot by transpirational volume throw, flow through the xylem. The fuck's translocated just means moved. And uh, by transpirational means like that's like evaporation, like plant evaporation. So it flows through the xylem, which is like that internal highway. So it's just flowing through. Okay, so it's just moving through the through the plant. More than ninety percent of percent of the silica is taken up by the roots, and is translocated to the shoot. So what it's saying is it's very easily moved. Some some plants are really mobile, and some are immobile. Um, like nitrogen, it's really easy to move it. You know. Uh, you know, it moves around really easy. You know, you can put it in the leaf and it'll move around. You can put it in the roots and it'll, it'll move around. And some things are not. I think it's like iron, they say, maybe calcium, I want to say, is real immobile stuff. Uh, so it says, uh, 
Okay, so it looks like the silica is at least going from the roots to the shoots. The silica concentration in the rice xylem sap could be as high as 20 nm. I don't know what that means, but they're pushing a lot of silica through. It looks like a lot of silica can get through. Chemically, silic acid polymerizes into silica gel. Uh, when the concentration exceeds, so when it gets the concentration gets too high, it turns into a gel. Well, that makes sense. You know, you add too much silica, it gets jelly. That's that's kind of like what we were talking about with that rhino skin. How it's kind of almost yeah. a gel. However, SI in the xylem sap is presented in the form of monosilicic acid. It seems that the silic acid in the xylem sap at high concentrations is transiently present because it starts to polymerize in vitro. I'm done, man. I'm done. Thank you, Professor. I don't know what the end means. I will say that they were, when I did research this, doing a little bit more research, it really is plant-dependent. And then it, some plants will be hurt if you uh, add too much silica to them. And there's, what I mean is there's a sweet spot to it. And so it's plant-dependent. So uh, something where you, I read one time 1% silica was, uh, was uh, really, I think it's right around 35 to 50 parts per million of, of silica in your water uh-huh. is like a real good sweet spot to be at for cannabis. But um, that really wasn't the question they asked in the beginning, was it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I cut it out when cut I cut it out, out my nutrients, man. You know, a couple of weeks where right when I'm starting to flush is when I keep take the uh, silica out. That's why we got the DGC, man. You can ask everybody. Uh, everything and some things can be grower's preference, man. I say week four and a half, five. Maestro says halfway through flowering, and other people are going to flush. So I find silica gro- helps with disease resistance. You know, disease suppression, whatever you want to call it. So if you're in a place where you know you lost your last crop to powdery mildew, or you, you know there's a potential for bugs or something like that, that's when I like to keep that silica long and strong. You know. Yep. <laughs> sure, buddy. Sure. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, Sir Mix-a-Lot's still in my head, man. All right? I haven't heard that song All in 20 right. years. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Let's check out, dude. You had a funny uh, meme on here, actually. Yeah, man. I just, dude, I love that people are doing this, you know? So, uh, yeah, I really, and this is Doman again. So I really appreciate this, man. New, new guy coming in and uh, and contributing, but... Yeah, it's fucking funny. And thank you for taking it easy on me, too, man. People, people can be rough on me when I bring these new ideas out. But it says, from the creators of Recharge comes Eureka. And it looks like a bunch of jugs of urine. That's <laughs> what it looks like. Oh. Yeah. And then we were, you know, we're joking around. I got that book and was reading it and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, the, the, what's it called? Yellow Gold or something. And like I said, just thinking outside the box, guys. You know, if I'm going to think about microbes, I might as well think about, uh, you know, pathogenic microbes and beneficials and, and all that stuff, man. So just just uh, reading the book. Don't mind me. But, yeah, it's yeah, pretty funny. You guys can Thanks, go Norman. put some up if you want over under nugs and click on the meme contest. That's where you can put your own memes and earn nugs while you're doing it. But somebody asked me who it was uh, actually one of the dudes over at Way to Grow was like, who makes all your memes, man? Like, like that's the crew. That's like everybody that's anybody. Yeah, I think he might have thought like we had one one artist dude doing all this. Yeah, because like, they're no. awesome. You know, they yeah. really are. I laugh my ass off at those, man. So thanks. Thank you, Doman, for making me laugh, man. All right. Where are we at? I think we're talking about many dumb ways to Oh, man. A thousand dumb ways to die. Isn't that it? That is a TV show I seen one time. Is it a thousand? Yeah. Yeah, It's like all these. It's like talks about like the guy that 
I think he the, didn't one guy like have the waterbed fall on him or something or there's the one I don't know there's all these urban legends of people that died in weird dumb ways they're yeah, always yeah. dumb though man always dumb yeah like a coconut falling on you yeah that's not so dumb though I mean come on we're hanging you know hanging out on a tropical island and I go I'm gonna go take a nap man hey, I'll just go under that tree with all the shade under it who the fuck's gonna expect 150 pounds of coconuts to fall on my head man you know, unless right. I had the internet, I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's see here. This is from Frost Wrangler. <laughs> <laughs> Frost Wrangler. <coughs> oh man, you guys can bless me virtually on that one. Couldn't hit the mute button. I so was like, stu- it was, I was stuck in it. It was like one of those ones where your face starts all changing and stuff. <laughs> Somebody called us dude and snotty. And I was like, hmm. Was like, oh, that was, uh, yeah. I was, was like, did he mean to say this guy? I looked where now. the N key was and where the C key was to see if he could accidentally press, you know, that. And, and no, 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 okay. I got it. All right. <laughs> Greetings from all newly legal Massachusetts. Many have said before me what a great spot this is. So I'll just offer thanks to the whole DGC for quality info and support. Right on. Yeah. I just received I agree. my first. Recharge Kool-Aid kit, Drink and Kool-Aid. I pulled down a full DGC subscription. Appreciate the support, man. Very cool, um, man. Very cool. I'm still catching up on old podcasts, but I knocked down two or three a day, so I'll be current another week or so. 125% playback speed is about all I can handle before Scotty starts to sound like a speed fiend. Yeah, <laughs> I could imagine that. And like I said, brother, just enjoy the ride. I, you know, I tried to start consuming these books at a higher, like 125 and 150. And you can hear it. You can understand the words that they're saying. But the whole timing and vibe and, you know, all that's missing from it, man. So come on, man. Just hang with us. And (laughs) hang with us at real speed. So, I mean, yeah, at real speed. I'm 24 days into my first grow. He's got four plants in a tent. And your expertise has carried me all the way through overwatering because he didn't put enough drain holes low enough on the cup. He said he had newt burn. He said roots, organics, basic soil, even amended, was too darn hot for his seedlings. I mean, so far, um, every one of these are like the most textbook, uh, you know, beginner mistakes. So that's awesome that we're able to save you from these, man. Using straight haro water, inducing, inducing pH tw- uh, twisting on his leaves, in parentheses, what do you mean my water is empty? <laughs> and lights. But this is so awesome because all these are things where if you know, it's it, this is what I was talking about, pre-internet, man. It was so hard to get information, but nowadays there's available information. If you just listen in the right spots, man, you can solve a problem. If your leaves are twisting, it's a very clear pH issue. I don't know anything else that, you know, sometimes it's something that's contributing to the pH issue, but at least you know, you know, very clear indicators. You can have some pest problems potentially. Anyway. Definitely. So... I'm um, okay. I went to that, to that, to that, to that, and the lights that were too close, even five watt LEDs can burn. And he goes, "Yep, I'm a 45 year old noob. The good news is the worst has passed, and my four charges are still alive and well on their way to better things after a rough start. Two white widow and two gold leaf plants are perky and actually starting to stink. Stink yeah. in a good way. Shout out to uh, I love growing marijuana's genetics for surviving my stupidity. That is awesome." <laughs> All right, just a question. I run into a buzzsaw of multiple issues at once. The order blows how I sorted through all my potential problems. I thought this might help other noobs. 
when you think you may have a compound issue, which ones do you fix first? So he went into a bunch of good points here, guys. He just talks about your lighting, too close or too far away. Are you watering too much or too little? And he's doing these in order of just things to check when you're not exactly you know, sure what's up. Uh, newt, bur- newt burned, for example, or is it burnt tips on every leaf, lower leaves, uh, at temperature of your air and root zones, humidity, right. transplanting, an important one I've transplanted uh, before, not all plants react the same and been like, dude, why is this plant doing this? Like, I just, you're like, oh, oh, I did transplant seven days ago. It's just going through its funk. Like, sometimes, you know, it's, it's don't forget the transplanting, especially if you're not gentle with it or don't do it well can uh, really stress out plants, make you think something else is going on. And uh, other than that, pH, man, that is a – we, we teach on the show both ways. You know, you say it's not as important with microbes, of course. It's, I still always measure my pH because I just do. Never have it, maybe. It's my sickness. I, I mean, you, you're welcome, too. I mean, some, you know, people like to control things, man, in the indoor environment, so I'm not telling you not to. I'm just saying it was one of those things that – um, and, and, you know, probably a lot of that is thanks to, like, good quality nutrients. I'll shout out to my boys over at Canna. I might be spoiled because I went over and developed this whole, you know, program with, with uh, Recharge and Steak and Potatoes using Canna nutrients and Canna cocoa. I never had a problem, man. All I can tell you is, you know, in Colorado with my water, I don't start with water that's 500 parts per million. I start with good, clean water from, from a, a hydrologic, uh, whatever, big boy or tall boy filter. So uh, I... I start with good quality stuff, but no, yeah, it works for me, man. I've never had a problem. I've never had it to where some, I have noticed one time uh, we screwed up and we let it get really low. The pH like five O, and yeah, the microbes don't like that either. No, nobody likes that when it gets super low, you know. But yeah, anything, when the whistle blow, <laughs> anything past five point, you know, five point five, you know, right around there and up, I just had no problem with. And letting it get when I water recharge in, it's high. You know, and and those, uh, you know, as the microbes, you know, break things down, it gets more acidic. So, yeah, yeah, I don't worry about it when it goes in. Yeah, that's that's kind of, that's kind of another thing I guess to touch on is that you put that in and it's a starting point, and then those microbes go to work and they start doing things and they start eating things and they start pooping out acids. You know, so it's not what what you want. I mean, what acid, man, what you put in 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 the beginning isn't what you get out, you know, eight hours, 12 hours, two days later. Out of all these points I just mentioned, he goes into some more details on some of them. But the biggest one, he says, the big issue, I was definitely overwatering, but the real culprit was improper drainage. He said, it took me a week to figure this out. So, yeah, that is, I think, across the board for all hobby growers or houseplant growers or people new to growing plants is overwatering. So, you know, I you agree. If you water it, you put more Brondo on it, it's going to grow. So, That's the kiss of death, man. really is. the kiss of death. Well, come all on. Right. It is. You know that. Uh, let, let's, do, uh, let's do a quick break, man. You down? Absolutely. Let's do it, man. We'll be right back, guys. Dude Grows Show, episode 344, Grow Talk. Check it out at dudegrows.com. All right. I cared for you in every kind of weather. 
growing weed gives me a natural kind of high. I planted cameras so I can keep out all unwanted company. And some booby traps to make them fools remember. How could you rip the doctor off? Cut your way into the greenhouse of your brother. You claim it's for the weed you love. But stealing from your neighbors, it's a special kind of scum. Now you didn't have to stoop so low. Cut them buds before the trichomes even change their colors. You're building bad karma, bro. Sneaking round at midnight in your neighbors grow. Don't be sneaking round at midnight in your neighbors grow. Don't be sneaking round at midnight in your neighbors grow. There's someone growing over there Feeding his family while living with the fear Cause there's a lawman with a pen in his hand Telling us what we can and can't grow on our land Think it's time to light up and pass one round Stop locking people up for smoking down There's weed still burning in the bong It's our freedom we've been earning all along Good people opening their minds Getting so much resistance from the closed and unkind Think it's time to light up and pass one round Stop locking people up for smoking down Time the lies fall in defeat. You can't deny nature's truth in weed. Laughing and feeling good inside. Instead of buying Xanax, grow urban, get high. Think it's time to light up and pass one round. Stop locking people up for smoking. Just light up and pass one round. Stop locking right, people up man, for smoking. Right. We'll be at in the talk. Clone issue in New Zealand. Hmm. Yeah, can we help man. New Zealand? <laughs> What's up? What are we helping? So can we help Kiwi Green? New Zealand NZ clone issue. Dude and Scotty. Hey, do you want to do it? Should, real quick, what? I just got a shout out to, to New Zealand really quick. I heard something interesting on one of my science journals that uh-huh. they have like a rat problem there, like rat rodent type of thing, weasels and all that stuff. And they're eating like all the kiwis. They're almost eating everything, ravaging all of the, uh, all of the, uh, you know, the, the, what is it? Fa- flora, right? Is it flora or fauna? What would it be, dude? It's both flora and fauna. I thought one was uh, animals. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, it's it's all all the uh, uh, their crops, man, are getting destroyed. So they're trying to eliminate. They have a plan to eradicate rats and rodents, you know, weasels and all that stuff off the chain of islands. 
And it's like, you know, I think it's like a 30-year plan. Could you? And they were talking to the guy that's responsible for killing every rat, man. Could you imagine that? It's crazy. It would be pretty interesting, man. Sounds yeah, like but... a TV, TV show. <laughs> yeah. Invasive, anyway, invasive I, I just, animals. I found that sure. interesting. I, you hear New Zealand's an absolute paradise, man. I heard it's like one of the nicest places in the world. Think about that place oh. sometimes. Seems nice. Beautiful. It's your happy place. All right. Now, let me get to the clone issue. Yes, sir. Kiwi Green asks, Dude and Scotty, I listen to your podcast weekly here in New Zealand. So I've been at it for a few years and keep things pretty simple with a 12-bucket ebb and flow system. And uh, one by, oh, he's going into the metric, 1.2 meter by 2.4 meter tent under three 400-watt HPSs. My hey, dude, issue at the moment, quick, man, we, yeah, yeah. we never talk about what Evan, like Evan flow is not that popular anymore, but it's just a, let's just describe it in case there's new listeners. It's sure. just a bucket or it's just a, like, basically you put some uh, pots in a tub and then you fill the tub up maybe once, twice a day. And it's just the tub fills up, it wets the pots and then it goes back to where it came from back into the, you know, back into your reservoir or whatever. Probably the most simplest way of growing. I've seen people grow without pumps with ebb and flow, just like by lifting a bucket up, letting it flood the table, then lowering the bucket down and letting it drain back into the bucket. Uh, if you look like in the old grow Bibles of the seventies and whatnot, they'll talk about ebb and flow, but it takes a lot of water to run an ebb and flow table. Cause you got to fill up the whole goddamn table. So unless you're filling up the whole table, if you're just doing a few plants and most of the time I find drippers, a more efficient way. All right, I'm done. Yeah, and they sell a lot of those pre-made systems as well. They mm-hmm. used to at least. So people, they got pretty popular, pretty easy. Plug and, plug and grow, if you will, which is another brand. But yeah, anyway. It's real inexpensive, low-tech. I think you need a pump. That's it. My issue at the moment is that a couple of my new clones have started to grow in a strange way. And all the new growth leaves comes out almost rounded shape. I don't keep mothers as a space is here an comes, issue. And here comes the uh, part you got to listen to. Here's the clue, Shaggy. So I clone a week after I change into flowering nutrients. Being in New Zealand, resources are hard to come by. I hope there's a way to sort this out without having to start from seed again. Cheers for the interesting podcast. Man, is there a way to sort this out, Scotty? Yes, I think, well, I think what it is, there's a little bit of hormone, uh, you know, a little screwy hormone dealio going there. When you, remember you were talking about monster, we were talking about uh, something and you said monster cloning. And I was like, no, monster cloning is when you clone a plant that's already gone in the flowering. What happens is that there's a hormonal thing that happens there, man. And it makes like this super dense, weird plant, like a little freak of a plant. Um, So... I'm thinking that if you, if he's changing the flowering nutrients, I'm imagining, I'm assuming that he's also changing his light cycle. So a week after he changes to 12-12 with the flowering nutrients is what? Well, yeah, I don't know if the nutrients matter as much, but there's a hormonal change going on in that plant. It's getting ready to set flower and die. And so now you're, that's the different hormones uh, than if you're trying to make a clone. So now you clone it and put it back in 18 hours of, of light with clo- you know, cloning and uh, hormone and whatnot. Definitely cloning hormone, says it right there. It is a hormone. Um, yeah, I could see them being out of sorts and kind of freaking out a little bit. So they, I, from what I remember there, if you do, look at monster cloning, I think is what it's called, maybe monster cropping, but uh, put that in the search box. You should find there's a really comprehensive article by Costa Mesa Steve about it, and uh, you should see a lot of familiarity with that. I think that's what's going on here. I only monster crop in October. 
you know, for Halloween. Barely, man. I hung on for that one, dude. I hung on, man. <laughs> so good. Oh, All man. Right. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, if, if these if these cuts root out and they're they're you know and they're throwing a set of leaves and they don't look right. Let them throw a couple more sets of leaves. If they keep not looking right, this happened to me with my island sweet skunk, but it was a little bit more than a week in. It was like a week and a half in a flower. But the leaves, and I tried, I'm like, all right, if the next set of leaves look good and then the next set look good too and it's starting to look like the plant should, go for it. But mine kept throwing goofy leaves for like, ah, I'm not taking that risk. I think so. that's supposed to yield heavier, though. I think monster cropped plants, the, the, the idea behind it was that it was tricking the hormones to make this freak of a plant. And it does make a, a you know a weird-looking plant. And supposedly they yield really heavy. There is some cons to them. I want to say they're very hard to clone, something like that. And they take a lot longer to, to pop, the clones do. But that's when you're doing it from a flowering plant. So if you got, if you got them to... Uh, I don't know. In this specific situation, I just think that it's like you're, Frankenstein you're, shit. Yeah, you're seeing a little bit of hormonal weirdness because they're about to push out some flowering hormones, and now they're going back to uh, yeah. It's just a little bit too late on this one, I would think. Yeah. Right on. Thanks for chiming in, Kiwi Green. Bring us some more New Zealand grow culture and questions. Absolutely, absolutely. That sounds like a nice place, man. Close my eyes and see some green mountains. Mm. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Now on to Eric Vix, I uh, guess. What? Eric. Who that? Eric Civics. <laughs> I don't know, man. You got to say, I have no idea how to pronounce this one on uh, foliar spraying in flower and overwatering. Okay, I see man. Eric IVXX. I'll take it. Eric. Anyway. Oh, maybe it's... Uh... Oh, it's it's Roman numerals, man. It's Roman numerals. It's Eric the what is that? That's twenty That's and the fourteen. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Uh, do I look Roman? I know, to you, but dude? the fact that it's it's if it's I feel like like I'm some like blonde Barbie chick. It's like something real simple. She's trying to be like, oh, the uh, <laughs> the XI games <laughs> right. or whatever. Like, damn it! I'm telling right, you, I've seen. Let me try and Anna- redeem myself. I seen Anna Nicole Smith on Howard Stern one time, and they were trying to get it to get on a scale, and she didn't know the word scale. And she goes, I'm not getting on your stupid way machine. <laughs> no, nothing, man. No, I, I, way machine. No, I had to go. I just ran uh, away from the mic for one sec to grab my uh, shiitake matake um, extract <laughs> pill, which I believe helps my brain work better. So I'm going to pop one right now. It's Should, a blend of what, tired, that, isn't shiitake mushrooms. a mushroom? What's that? Shiitake is a mushroom, right? Yeah, shiitake and maitake. This oh, is a right. tonic on the bottle from nature. It says a tonic for well-being. All right. So, All right. Anyway, it's not, I'm that's not, not calling you a hippie, man. You're not a new age hippie. You're not. Oh, I'm You're sorry. You're just the dude. Hold, hold on. I'm going to go pop. Uh, uh, I don't even know what to say. 12-hour energy, okay. man. Two 12-hour energies. That's all you all need. Right, anyway, so let's cover this real quick. Foliar spraying and flower and overwatering. It's 24 hey guys, hours of energy right there, dude. I have two 24 by 80 greenhouses. Okay, now we're Legit. growing. Ceilings are 16 foot tall, and I'm in raised beds. I'm in NorCal, and we have been getting tons of rain and cold weather, so my plants aren't drinking very quickly. I'm only able to feed once a week, and that's a stretch as I'm seeing overwatering. I'm currently using Dutch Pro and compost, compost tea, which I foliar spray weekly. I've also spray preventively weekly for pest. 
Also, as I'm spraying, um, oh, I, I am spraying Stereomyces every Strep- 10 to 14. Streptomyces. Streptomyces mm-hmm. uh, to prevent powdery mildew. Yep. See, my tonic for well-being is not Streptomyces. I want, isn't that a, that's, that sounds like a streptomyces is what it's called. And uh, don't they have streptomycin, which is an uh, antibiotic that they make from that? I do not know. All, all the they antibiotics could. are found in the soil. Like 90-something percent of them are found in the soil. That's where they look for new antibiotics. It's crazy. So they should encourage your, encourage your younger children to, to taste the earth and eat some dirt. So yeah. I've been successful for keeping my humidity around 60% with my dehus and heater, or dehumidifier maybe and heater. Okay. Um, but... With outdoor temps as low as 32 and daytime outdoor temps around 45 Fahrenheit, the plants aren't drinking as quick as I, as I would want. Golly, right. I bet, man. I bet they're just like stayed still. You know, not doing nothing. So it's like putting them in the humidity. refrigerator. Think what happens when you put a plant in the refrigerator like lettuce. You're like slowing that thing down from decaying. So, you, you know, for day, a few days, man. But, dude, that's what you these things are basically in a refrigerator. Yeah. Well, what's it says outdoor temps? He's in his greenhouse. Does he mention? I mean, he's given us his humidity parameter, sixty percent. Um, but he says outdoor temps as low as thirty-two, and daytime outdoor temps around forty-five. So I wonder if his plants in the greenhouse are exposed to the same t- temps. But either way, it's not going to be like really warm in like upper seventies or whatever, unless it was no. like fully climate controlled. So he goes, "I'm wondering I mean, it since my plants." Be. I mean, you know, a lot of people do put greenhouse heaters in there, and true. Just- and there is that greenhouse effect, which is why I have a greenhouse, is to keep it warmer inside. Keep oh, the heat that's in. why they call it that. <laughs> so anyway, he goes, I'm wondering, since my plants aren't drinking as quickly due to the cold, is it advisable to foliar feed bloom newts? I'm in day 23 of flower. Thanks so much for your amazing show. Thanks for the question, man. This is a cool question. Um, I, I had to scratch my head about it, man, because yeah. what do you think? I'm thinking that if they're not growing... I mean, and you know, not metabolizing, that they're not going to metabolize much whether you spray something on the leaves or not. I mean, they're certainly not going to hurt anything. But, yeah. you know, I just think that, you know, if you're in a greenhouse, man, I would get those temperatures up. You know, go get some propane heaters or something like that, uh, you know, a greenhouse heater and get those temperatures up. You know, seal it up a bit or, you know, do whatever you can to get them up. That's that's what I'd be concerned with because man, that's just slowing things down. Especially if you're on day twenty three of flowering, those things are supposed to be you know slamming. Just just. Well, he says he's got two one hundred twenty five thousand BTU heaters. Uh-huh. Propane bill is killing me, and okay. I have twenty four lights. He goes, I'm kind of stuck right now. I'm pretty much got out it. of capital. But he says the plants look fine. Besides the overwatering issue, very lovely and green, and I'm seeing tons of growth. So if he says it's very lovely and green. compost pile, man. Compost will heat that shit up, man. Start composting in the middle of the greenhouse, man. Regardless, I wouldn't foliar spray if unless you see a need for it because if your plants aren't moving along. Because you're just putting, like, newts on newts, man, like trikes on trikes. So you can really compost in the middle of the greenhouse, by the way. I want to retract that idea. I think yeah, I was going to say something, but I was just going <laughs> to let you burn. So That would anyway, be a cool keep... way to generate heat, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, I get where he's going with this question because he's like, dude, I've been there before where it's like, oh, I want to feed this or I got this cool new product. It's not time yet. Or, my, you know, and you, or for some reason outside, especially if it rains, 
Um, you don't have the option to have too many inputs. That's why, you know, you top dress. But regardless, but think I about would it, not... man. Let's put a human element on it. You know, we're fucking freezing. OK, I'm, you know, I'm outside and it's 40 degrees and I've been outside for fucking, you know, three weeks now and I'm cold as shit. Probably not eating much, you know. What would you think? Know. You'd be eating as much as you can, wouldn't you? Be like, I'm fucking cold and hungry. Maybe I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to put a human element on it. I don't know. Are you still metabolizing? Do you still need to eat a bunch? I guess you would as a human being, right? You'd be shivering and probably would be fucking hungry just from shivering. But yeah. I'm thinking like if your metabolism really slowed down. I guess we're warm blooded animals, man. So we use a whole shitload of energy to keep us warm in the heat. But then I'm thinking more like a cold-blooded animal, like a frog or something like that, man, a snake. They just slow the fuck down and just just slow down until they do nothing. And they need very little food either. Yeah. If they're looking good, I'd leave them alone for now until it warms up. Yeah, I would try my best to get that place warmed up, though, man, because being in 23 a flower and then putting those things in the fridge is uh, really going to affect your harvest, I think. It's going to have to make a deal with Mother Nature. (laughs) <laughs> or bite the bullet and just you know figure out a way to get you know a couple hundred gallons of propane out there yes don't steal well, a propane tank i'm not advising that before we move on to number eight yes. out of 22 if we can if we could do it if we could do it uh shout out to mfp man uh mfp mike robes Supporter of the show. If you guys haven't checked them out, they're crew approved independently. I'll say independently approved by Grow Mouse. So, uh, you know, he, he had it in one of his gardens and just picked up a bottle and honestly said, man, you can see here, these definitely look different. So, and it's a product that's one of those, it's, I don't, I don't want to say super expensive to get into, but it's a hev- highly diluted. It goes anywhere from like a half mil up to a highly the most dilutable. Highly dilutable. Well, good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> it's highly diluted product that I love. <laughs> you put in one cup per gallon. Anyway, so, but check it out for sure. You can search another. Scotty said earlier, use our search bar over at dudegrows.com. Put in Mammoth Peel, find plenty of information. Definitely. And, uh, you know, hook it up. Their, their model is being available at any local hydro store. I don't know if you can order online, um, but you can always check out, if, especially if you shop at a hydro store. That's the best way to get shit in your store, guys. I've anything is tell the people where you shop what you want and to look into stuff. So Definitely, some stores man. refuse. Some stores will be like, if it's not in this catalog, we will not <laughs> be carrying it. Well, you know what it so. is, honestly, is if you're not uh, distributed by Hydro Farm, some stores, all they give a shit about is paying that hydro farm or the sunlight bill, whatever, but they got one distributor and one bill to pay every month, and they want to just pile it on there to get free shipping or whatever, and that's who they work with. So it is tough to break in sometimes, man. So, yeah, having customers ask for products, whether it's Recharge or Mammoth Bay, uh, that's what helps small guys like us trying to give an honest product without too much of a markup, uh, you know, give us a shot, man. So don't forget, yeah. man, everybody gets their piece. You start giving Hydro Farm a third and this guy a third, and all of a sudden, that's a, you know, recharge is now $99 instead of 49 Yeah. <laughs> you know what There's I mean, though? It's, it, is, it is true, man. You try to support these companies that keep it lean. You know, Mammoth P, man, those guys keep it lean, man. You know, they got a good product. They manufacture it right here in Fort Collins, and uh, they just pump out quality. So I love those yeah, guys. I've seen a lot of quality companies, though, reach a point. I haven't been totally familiar with it where they've decided to be distributed. 
um, you know, by somebody just so they can focus more on building their brand and not the business end of it and have fun with it. You know, so I think it depends on where you're at. But Oh, agreed 100%, man. All I'm saying is everything costs, man. No, not everything. Love is free. <laughs> Sunshine is free. All right. Say, so, hey, dude and Scotty. I'm going How much is a rainbow? Bottom leaf. Long bottom leaf CO2 system. Hey, dude and Scotty. Long bottom leaf here with another question. Much like Scotty, I've just moved out to the country on the side of a little mountain here in Maine. I'm setting up my new grow in the basement. Congratulations, brother. Congratulations. <laughs> and the wife is letting me get a new CO2 system when we get the tax returns. Oh, very nice. Yeah, real quick, man, dude. I used to, I would do that. And back in you know, the the only time I ever had an extra five or seven hundred dollars or something when I got my tax return back as a you know a young person. And uh, yeah, I would take that shit over and uh, and and. Uh, buy grow gear with it you know a thousand watt hps or something like that when i was working my ass off 40 hours a week humping it man yeah so i <laughs> i think that's kind of american right there man take your tax return to the grow store and get started yes yes so it says we go wreck on january 30th here in maine so i have not so sealed floors and an 8 by 12 veg and a 10 by 12 flower Okay, real quick, man. I have some not so sealed floors in my in my back barn, and I just fixed them last night with a can, two cans of spray foam. You know where the poles go through. You know the 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 floor was letting some heat through and whatnot. And now that I've got an act, something active going in there, I don't want to be wasting heat. I felt cold air coming through, so just for a couple bucks, you know, filled in the the big gaps, shoved a little newspaper in there, and then filled it with that spray foam for ten bucks. I was done. So I sealed. What'd my you floors. do for your flooring in your your pole barn? I just laid carpet on the dirt. See, that's, just, that's so solid. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jesus Christ, man. We put in a nice floor. We, we you know, put in a real floor. Uh, plywood and uh, and I think two by two by. See, that's pens. where I told Scotty he took it too far. Like, if you got a you know, pole barn, you're kind of turning into a little bit of a grow and a studio right. space. you got to make it like it's a pole barn. So one of the cool advantages of the pole barn is you could have like a hay or just have, I said, you should get one of those old wooden barrels filled with peanuts and people could throw peanuts all over and eventually sure. that makes your floor. And you also can, if you're like, you know, cowboying up and you just don't want to dip, dip spit on the floor, that's cool, too. No, and I have spittoons for you over there, man. You could compost on that floor, man. Just throw shit all over the floor. Everything else from the floor up is totally like, dude, grow show studio looking. But the floor, you can do whatever you want with. It could be right. like your turtle walking across it. Ah, you reminded me of the Eric Andre show. Remember you asked what the fuck's with that show, but I was watching it. it had some hot chick on that Stacy Dash girl was on, and... um just he puts he releases rats on the studio floor, so she's sitting there and rats <laughs> start crawling on her feet. Man, it was the crazy. That, that guy's anarchy, man. I love that show, man. That guy's a nut. All right, on with the grow talk here. CO two, not so sealed floors, distracting Scotty. Seal so, that shit, man. Do what go, you can do to seal it. He goes. Uh, listen to the sizes here. So eight by twelve veg, ten by twelve flower. And then an 8x12 mother clone room. All three of these rooms are connected. The walls are sealed between the rooms. Okay. I'm going to run vents to hoods for the lights to a can filter with an 8-inch fan. Okay. The question is, what type of CO2 system would you use in a new basement set? Grow store is 15 minutes away, so tanks are possible. I'm willing to pay a little more up front if there's return on investment for efficiency. One tank, two tanks, uh, spray foam the ceilings, question mark. 
Is my family safe upstairs? Question mark. So yeah, we already been over spray foam the ceilings or anywhere, man. If you're if you got gaps and stuff in the grow room, try and seal your room up. Does it have sure. to be a hundred percent sealed? No, but just as sealed as you can. Right, uh, and then make sure that your air cooled lighting system, if you are air cooling, isn't ripping air out of the room and between little gaps. A lot of these hoods aren't sealed that well. You can just take some tape and seal them. I like uh, I like pulling as opposed to pushing. Because uh, it pulls the tape on as opposed to trying to push the tape off if you're trying to seal stuff. But, you know, I think dude likes to push instead of pull. So, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. Well, so, you know, I it mean, was, that's not, it's not a deal breaker is what I mean to say. But just get, you know, make sure that your system is sealed. And I don't know. The, what it is, he's got, hang on, an 8 by 12 and a 10 by 12 and an 8 by 12 So that's three Dude, rooms, he's got man. real that's, estate, man. I yeah, think, that's I mean, a lot for a tank, bro. I'm presuming he, I don't know if you're a newer grower or not, you are signing up for a full-time job if all these rooms are active. But Because, yeah, a lot awesome, of space though. here. You'll love so, it, man. Yeah, depending on how you want to do it, and then at the 8 by 12 mother clone room. I mean, your CO2 is most valuable in your veg and in your flower as far as if we're going to try and run like a loop of CO2, like the perforated whole line stuff, you know? Yeah, or- man, dude. Hang on. Is this in his basement? He's in Maine, okay? So he's got gas, okay? You know, he's got a furnace or something. Man, they, the answer is just running a, a natural gas line, tapping into your natural gas line and getting an appropriately sized CO2 burner. Especially if you're in Maine, you can use the heat. You know, in Florida, that heat's a pain in the ass. You know, you've got putting that heat in a con- constantly air-conditioned room, and it's a pain in the ass. But in Maine, you know, in my, I'm in Colorado. I could use the heat, man. So, yeah, to get a burner, it's, a, it's basically a heater. It's going to, you know, gas heaters are pretty efficient. Natural gas heaters are pretty efficient. I have an electric heater I have to use um, if my room gets too cold. So I'd rather burn the natural gas. You know, I, th- I think that's more efficient, and it comes right, you know, you get to either get a big tank or it just comes right from the city or whatever. So uh, I love the idea of a good quality natural gas burner. Yeah, I mean, I agree. That's a lot of volume there. If he's going to have all those rooms active, then the trick becomes of how you're going to share the CO2 between all the rooms. That's you know, pretty you gotta... easy. You can just circulate between those three rooms. I don't see why that would be a problem. Pull from CO2 is heavier than air, so it falls. So pull from the bottom of one room and then pull it, push it up to the top of another room, kind of like a you know pull yeah. from the bottom right up to the top. Um, and then just blow it. I would just blow it across, and then the same thing for the third room. Just pull it from the bottom and right in the, you know, right up to the top. You could probably all you do is just put a little six-inch can fan on the bottom, down low, and just have an elbow, you know, pushing it, pushing it up to the top. Yeah, you I know, get that. And it goes. If it, will my family be safe upstairs? I mean, yeah. If you're using, you're uh, growing the dank, man. It's all good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got the. Uh, the CO2, I mean, pick up a, a, a new one somewhere uh, that's whatever, nothing yeah. janky. And let's think and, about this real quick. I just got a new barbecue, yeah. and it had orifices, okay? And those are little holes. They're like little tiny. It's like where the gas comes through. So each burner, it was like uh, if you got a propane and you want natural gas, just change this orifice out. Change the, the little hole that they – because they, I guess they have different weights, basically. So they come out, you know, different, different pressure, different amount. So um, just make sure that, you know – you get a uh, a good CO2 burner that's clean, and then just make sure that you make that it doesn't have uh, what is it O2 and CO2. It's uh, uh, you know the. What do you mean get a good one that's clean? 
Meaning that I think once the burners O2 you mean is brand new? carbon monoxide, CO, you know, one, one uh, oxygen, and then CO2 is uh, what? CO2, right? Carbon and two oxygens. Man, I'm really high right now. But wh- what I'm saying is when they clog up, I think, and when they get dirty and, and whatnot is when they clog up and they don't burn completely. And then that's when you get the carbon monoxide coming off there. I'm pretty sure that they can, you know, that that. That's probably the reason why some of them have the kind of burner designs that they have to avoid that from happening. But that you were, I'm just trying to address the safety issue. You're saying, is my family safe upstairs? Yeah, yeah. I heard yes. That. Get a good quality new burner, you know, and you'll get a CO2 burner and make sure it doesn't get all clogged up with soot through the years. Make sure you occasionally clean it and take a look at it. And, uh, and it should continue to burn as a carbon dioxide burner and keep, and your family should be safe. I would probably bet the size of the orifices of the gas uh, that goes through their areas. If they got clogged enough, um, they're probably designed to automatically not ignite or something is what I'd guess as far as putting off. We'll have to Google it, man. There's also something with the color of the flame, you know, like that blue flame that you're getting Mm -hmm. uh, from the CO2. I'll bet you that's even, you know, think about oxygen, a blue flame. Um, I'm thinking that... uh, the flame changes color when it's just when it's just burning carbon monoxide. I'm pretty sure that's a telltale, but we'll have to research that for another day, man. Bet you could address odor and CO2 enrichment in the bloom room with a whole bunch of like scented candles. Ooh, I like that idea. Yeah, you light them all. You know, you got to. It's pretty labor intensive, but yeah, do it. Nothing will catch fire <laughs> or nothing, man. You'll be cool. It'll be like a music video, man. Uh, yeah, definitely, uh, safe to do pick up, uh, keep in mind the controllers can get a little expensive for a decent controller. I like the grow zones. That's where you can dial in your set points and it controls it via parts per million. I'd recommend one of those. It's kind of like another safe, you know, safe point for the thing as well. Like if it were to get too high for whatever reason, it'd probably shut it off and et cetera. So those controllers can be anywhere from like, I don't know, probably, I don't know. It's almost like 500 something bucks for the range of the ones I like for those good CO2 controllers. Yeah, I so. like it to come on instead of having a thing like a one burner or a two burner that comes on and just stays on all the fucking time. I like to spend a little bit of money, you know, spend six, seven hundred bucks, get a six burner or something big. So it comes on, blasts a whole bunch of CO2 just on for a couple minutes, fills the room with CO2 and then can shut off so it doesn't have to run all day long. And you were talking about like kind of front end investment. You know, it says uh, uh, don't mind paying a little bit more on the front if there's a trade off for ROI for efficiency. Um, yeah, a, a you know a nice sized burner. You know, a, you know a six six light burner or whatever you want to call it, or a six pilot burner. Not pilot. What the hell are they called, man? Valves. What the fuck I do I know, man? I don't know. Thank the source vapes for my lack of English right now. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um. Uh, having a decent sized burner and then having it hooked up to natural gas, man, that's going to be the cheapest thing. Think, I, dude, I mean, we have CO2 tanks here for seven bucks. A lot of places are 14 and $15 for a CO2 tank exchange. You know, that gets really expensive if you're doing it every two, three days. It is kind of a hassle too. I agree. I mean, it can't, depending, I'm spoiled here a little bit with the $7 refill it way to grow but some stores charge a bit especially if they know you're that's your option like 15 bucks and then if you're doing it once a week for that space for sure once a week you know it adds up for sure so it really can. can yeah i do like the versatility of a gas system 
All right. Make sure you, if you get a big ass burner, though. Rarely have I seen um, the flow of the person's gas, like how the pressure of their gas wasn't high enough or something for the burner they had. If you know, it's probably kind of a rare situation. I'm thinking, but right. Uh, and what? Yeah, I remember trying to figure that out, man. Stressing about that before I said, "Fuck it, it'll be fine." It was like some kind of ball test that it was supposed to like. There was some kind of yeah. I remember there's some weird test where it was supposed to like test the gas pressure. It was all screwed. Exactly. That's a yeah, you know what? Device. It worked, man. It worked, all right? I think up to a six burner will kind of uh, burners. I think that's what they're called. Whatever, but, man. If you can't get a burner, just light that pipe up. You know, <laughs> like Kuwait style. <laughs> when you start getting into those 12 burner things, though, those super big ones, yeah, you might have to ch- to check, you know, check your gas to make sure it's enough to, to distribute that. But think about like a six burner. That's not, nothing different than a big gas stove. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Let's cover a couple more here. One more before break. One more before you break. Got it. All right, number nine. Guano PK meat potatoes. Stony McSquint. Stony McSquinty eyes. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Hey, dude and Scotty. I got to say, joining the DGC is the best ten dollars you could ever spend as a new grower. Hell yeah, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Keep thank you so rocking. much, man. There's real awesome support going on. And, uh, yeah, that's why we're moving forward with the DGC Cup. Hopefully we got something to announce real soon, a venue for that. And, uh, yeah, man, it's all the support that's doing it, y'all. So thank you. Uh, Let's see. Keep on rocking this wicked awesome podcast. Love it. So does wicked awesome mean he's from Boston? Something like that? I think it does. And where's Hella from? Remember when we were in Vancouver and we found those guys that were just, uh, yo, man, that's hella cool, man. I'm hella stunned. I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. Can't keep stuff. up with these kids. Thanks to Scotty, I'm running bottom-fed hempies, and I'm on full can of lineup, cocoa and all. Also added General Organics Biomarine and General Organics Calmeg Plus, worm castings, and obviously recharge. All right. That sounds like a dope lineup. How are you having any issues? Yeah, so I was going to say, before he gives his question, I got to ask, man, how the plants got to be going badass, man. Badass. That's, that that looked nice, especially for a my beginner, qu- man. You're hitting the ground running, homie. My question is this. In week one of flower, I have canna PK1314. I want to add some bat or seabird to help with flavor and other soil benefits. I'm worried it'll run into trouble. If I'm also running PK thirteen fourteen boost fish and Calmag and recharge, what do you think would be the best guano to use? All the different options confuse me. I feel like the guy in the Nirvana parody you guys play. Lol. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm new and I'm trying to learn all the MPK stuff and microbes. It's a lot to learn so nah, far. Don't be sorry, that's awesome, man. Good thanks to you guys and all. This is why I'm asking for advice before I mess it all up. You guys are my Yoda and Obi-Wan. Help me out, boys. You're my only help. Cool, man. Thanks for the kind words. Your Canadian DCC brother, Stony McSquinty Eyes. Yeah. Hey, Stony, I'm right there with you as far as learning new stuff. Man, I'm trying to learn this uh, uh, no-till and all the organic components about when this one breaks down and how long it takes and how long it takes for for this one to break down. And this is a source of, you know, this nutrient and what it's it's... I'm uh, I'm right there with you, man. There's a lot to learn, and I'll always be learning. That's all I can tell you, brother. I mean, yeah, adding basically, if you're on a nutrient regimen of any sort, and you want to add guanos, there's a few way to do it. A few ways to do it. 
Top dressings one. Talked about it plenty of times on the show. That's where you just pick your Ghana that you'd like. I currently use some of Aurora Innovations. They have a Seabird that's a zero twelve zero, and they also have I think a Bat that's a zero seven zero. I alternate between the Bird and the Bat at times, and you can see uh, they have a rate on the bag. I do like a tablespoon sprinkled across the top soil per five gallons of container. So if it's a fifteen gallon, probably do like three tablespoons. I'll sprinkle it all out. But at that point, I might lighten up a little bit. Like, I just go back off. Like, you got worried about the PK-13-14. If I'm feeding those nutrients at full strength, just feed them in like at, you know, 70, three-fourths strength or even half strength for a couple grows while you're getting that guano watered in. Is the guano, or, is, that, is that instantly available? Or how's that work? No, I mean, I heard once you, you know, once you put that down, depending, this is, I've heard this argued. Uh, you know, once you do something, I've said it on the show, two weeks, right? We just did an organic amendment to our soil. So let's look at that's available in two weeks. But I don't know if I believe that when we're just trying to push our cocoa or whatever we're growing in full on with micro, we're just pushing microbes in there or probably overpopulated them, whatever. I, I don't think it would you take think it might two be weeks. faster. I think it should be faster. Makes um, sense. But that being, that's how I do it. I don't put any guanos or top dress in, um, two weeks if i know i'm taking down in two weeks i use that rule of thumb like yeah, i'm not gonna guanos put... can leave a shitty taste i've i've, heard, I've seen people fertilize oh, with... that's almost like a comment and a joke in one what? um <laughs> you didn't you didn't catch yourself how guanos oh, yeah, can leave I a did. shitty taste I did. sorry man that was pretty good pretty good <laughs> oh you're funny and you don't even know it but the uh other way to do this there are some cool liquid guanos out there i've mentioned hpk um, is an Aurora Innovations. Budswell is an awesome product. Uh, these are ways I think that probably get it even more available and into the root zone. I, I'm non-scientifically stating. I always picture there's some like, you know, uh, organic PhD dude, like, man, dude's putting his foot in his mouth again, man. <laughs> like the one guy that I'm like, this is the disclosure. This is what works for me in my garden. Yeah. I uh, call it fuck you in the radio. I'm sure people are like, fuck you in the radio. A lot of times when I'm saying stuff, you know, but what can so, I do, man? I'm an entertainer. The liquid guanos are cool. Cool option, man. Like I said, Budswell and inches like that works, works good as well. So those would be my picks. Don't use them too late in flower, but I do believe they add some dank. I think if you're looking for flavor, I would err on the side of like something like earthworm castings that are a lot more, you know, bacteria and fungi and, you know, a lot less just nutrient NPK. And yeah, I think I would do something like that because if you're using that PK 13, 14, that's supposed to be used. Like you got to check out their schedule because if you fuck up with with uh, PK boost at the wrong time, it screws the plants up. I want to say yeah. it's like week three, week five, depending on the strain. Somewhere between those two times is, is when you hit the PK boost, and it's just like a window. It's like a trick for the plant, man. So be careful with that, you know. And then if you got a bunch of PK loaded in your soil, you know, good, you know, it's uh, it, it could cause problems, man. Right on. Well, let's take a break, man. See if we can come back and hammer through the rest of the show in a gentle way. Hammer through gently. Nice. And, uh, yeah, not like demolition style. Anyway, we'll be back, guys. Check everything out at dogrows.com and uh, make sure you stay a little high. Plenty of grow talk to come. All right.
right, we're back, back from an extended break for us, for a normal break for you. Yeah, actually, it was one of those. Scotty totally went off on me, told me how bad of a pod we're cussing each other out. Mm. You know, we're trying, <laughs> it never happens, <laughs> man. How dare you, sir? Uh, we were joking to see, like, if you get that, uh, like, the, the hot mic audio behind the scenes. Right. He, he entertainments. Dude, and Scotty's real relationship yeah. went off the mic. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I want a Russian accent. I want a, in, in real life, I have a very thick Russian accent. <laughs> All right. That is weird when you see actors, you know. I was know, just thinking that same watching. thing, yeah. You see actors, and, they, and then they stop acting, and they, it turns out they're from Australia or England or something. You're like, what? Yeah, I don't you know, talk exactly. American be, good. Yeah, they're playing like a a country country western guy or something, and then when they're interviewing him, and he's like total proper British, like what? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Them uh, actors, training. man. Them actors. All right, so plant two or plants from test in parentheses. Okol, very creative testicle tubes. Help me out. <laughs> okay, this is from a Ben you, Jamin. Pierce, Benjamin. Benjamin. Pierce. I like it. So try to keep this short and sweet. Kind of my la- kind of my last girlfriend, but a lot more sweet. Okay. Let me let me get my nose a little brown real quick and tell y'all I dig to show and learn a bit from time to time. Anyways, great to listen to you all on those many hours I spent doing absolutely nothing. Raking in the money like everyone else says us urban growers do. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, man. Right on, brother. So all BS aside, I'm looking to start some tissue culture of my plants. I have an amazing cut of OFGGSG. So that's Girl Scout. Of, oh, it is OFG. I thought it was of Girl Scout cookie. That's what it was. Oh, it could be. It could be of uh, Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) That's awesome, man. That I was supposed to keep alive. I was one of four or five, and guess what? Everyone else killed theirs. So here I am trying to revenge this little fucker who is barely making it. Fingers crossed. And I was really hoping that I'm able to make a tissue culture from it. So let's get to the questions and what I need to know and don't know. Do you clone a plant while it's, or can you clone a plant while it's in flower? Does it matter the stage that the plant is in? When it take tissue culture. So as far as, as far as when a plant's in flower, kind of erratically covered that just a couple of minutes ago. Isn't it erotic? Um, not really, man. <laughs> I, not if you're trying to experiment. Not if I mean, if you are trying to experiment and do something different with the monster cropping talk or whatever. Yeah. How the fuck is rain on your wedding day ironic? I don't get it. Oh, is that the uh, how the song goes? Don't get me started. Oh, Lannis, Lannis Don't get Morissette. me started, all right, man. Lannis Morissette. There we go. It's just a very See? dark blip, okay? An otherwise great period of rock now. and roll. He goes, could we go, go over a ghetto run of making tissue culture in my kitchen? Um, yeah, you know, I, I can't. I won't. But I think there are some comments going over it. Uh, we have had a guest on before. Yep. I can't remember. Costa Mesa uh, Steve hooked me up with a tissue culture guy when I was out there. His buddy was... Like, a, you know, I don't know if he's a Ph.D. or something like that, but a real educated guy that knew how to do tissue culture and had a lot of success doing it with other plants. And all I can tell you is cannabis is the same with I try to get tissue culture done with bamboo and it's really difficult. It's kind of like every, there's no protocol for a lot of this stuff. So it's a guy saying, hey, I've had success with some other plants. Let me try, you know, let me let me try using the same. What are they? 
So I'm not rooting hormones. I can't growth factors is what they're called. And you put, you know, you, you trying to mess with these diff, different growth factors and, and getting these things to root. And it's a lot of trial and error. Um, people do have success with cannabis. I know Costa Mesa Steve said it was a pain in the ass and it took a long time to get going. So just, just uh, kind of my perception or my thoughts on tissue culture might, yeah. might be more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. I mean, he's trying to, he says, how can any tips on revegging, um, you know, the plants? I'm trying to reveg any tips. I guess he means that yeah, he, he took, he said, like, go ahead. He's saying, you know, he wants to reveg. It's in flowering now, so he's going to reveg it. And that's the same thing where they did the whole monster cloning and, you know, that's cloning from the flowering plants. But the whole, I, you know, the big picture of all that is, is that the hormones are changed in that plant. Um, now to reveg a plant, if you were to just take that entire plant and give it a bunch of time and reveg it, eventually, wouldn't the hormones get balanced back where you could clone it? Might take a couple months, but I would think if you have that, it, you could you could get it back. I mean, there's so many good strains out there, That's my friends. That's what I'm thinking, man. I'm thinking that just go move on and enjoy the uh, fun of learning to grow different strains and different things. Yeah, you know what you're trying to do. But, but you'd be surprised. A lot of times you go get that strain after a while, and you know it's not as vigorous as it was, or there's just something about you know what's the Nine Inch Nail song? Nothing quite like the feel of something new. You know, getting a new strain in there. Yeah. Well, he goes on to some more details. There's a comment on here from uh, Maine Grower, I believe, <clears throat> and I appreciate that. As well as there's some resources on our site, man. Use the search bar to learn a little bit more about the tissue culture. And he goes, in ending hillbilly from Appalachia, now lost in the mountains of California. And he goes, not really California mountains. I'm surrounded <laughs> by concrete, but it sounds good. Right, right. <laughs> Anyway, cool, man. Yeah, I would, uh, especially if you're out in Cali, you probably got some access to some selection. You know, it's not like you're in Texas. Yep. I would would just move forward, man, go find some good seeds or something. You know, there's something about that vigor, that seed from vigor. Somebody once reminded me of it when we were talking a seed versus clone. And, man, there's just something about how strong those plants come out when they're just first generation. Boom. Well, let's go into a deeper question from Arctic Herbs. Yes, sir. What color should your grow room floor be? <laughs> so, hey, you know, guys. I like puce the- myself. And if you don't know, puce is a little more lavender and a little bit less pink. Over the last few weeks, I've been building two new rooms. The floor, the flower room is 18 by 17. Man, everybody's got some big-ass rooms today. And the bedroom is 8 by 18. I'm going to paint the walls and ceiling with flat white. My question is, what color should the floor be? Some people say dark floors, but you look at grow tent and the floor is reflective. What do you guys think? Does it even really matter, or should I go with a flat white on the floor? Hey, man, nothing matters anymore, man. Everything matters a little bit, brah. And if you paint your... I like mirrored floors. Mirrored <laughs> floors. You know what? I used to think that mirrors were the shit. Like, I would go, you'd find, you know, different places, and I, I found, like, a this used place used to be a dance studio. It's all mirrors. I was like, fuck yeah, I won't even have to mylar it. But it turns out, fuck no, man, that shit will bounce off there and make super hot spots. <laughs> I don't think it could catch fire, but I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> man, you know? Uh, be a tough room to walk into. Yeah. But anyway. But, uh, dude, flat white paint is the best for reflecting, man. So what's happening when you have your, your lights? They're plant- going straight down. Shit, yeah, I want flat white, you know, floors to reflect the, anything back up. Why not, man? All that helps. Yeah. 
And if you're going to go that route, depending, you could always potentially mylar it. Um, if you're in going over the carpet floor? or wood or rental, that that shit, that one shit pond liner works great as far as it being a foolproof method to not damage whatever floor is under it. Right. If you're not, you know, and not able to remove a floor. But that's if I'm, black, if I'm over and you can't paint basement though, concrete. Like if I have a concrete basement, right. or The garage I'm in, I didn't go through the trouble of painting the floor. Like. To me, if I have a how, how much trouble is it to paint a floor? What happens when you <laughs> spill paint? It ends up on the floor, right? When anytime you fuck up, paint ends up on the floor. So how hard is it? To, I I did go to trouble painting floors. I used to have these four light trailers, and I would paint the whole. I, oh, I had a paint sprayer, one of those airless paint sprayers I bought. So I would just get like a five gallon of uh, like the thickest latex I could. Sometimes I would try to even get the, the, you can get, if you get a bigger paint sprayer, you can spray that roofing paint, that rubbery shit called like, a, it's called elastomeric or elastomastic. And it's literally uh-huh. like coating the room in a, a, a thin sheet of rubber. You know, and the only thing is you, you got to use a If you're going to use it, you should spray it. And you need a big fucking machine to spray that. The thicker the stuff, the uh, uh, the, the bigger machine you need to spray it. That's actually how I know about orifices, man, because you need very specific <laughs> size orifices for those paint spraying rigs, man. Um, I guess I'm lazy. I let concrete be concrete, man. I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to paint it. Why I'm not, not seal it, though, man? Shit, what's it going to cost for you? I know that kill stuff is like five, uh, five gallons, you know, cost you at 50, 60 bucks. I don't remember what it cost, man. Maybe it's 100 bucks. But, man, that stuff, I remember just cleaning the floor really good and then putting that kills and, and sealing. It seals all sorts of gaps and stuff. That's how I knew. I was like, dude, this room is fucking sealed, man, because it's sealed in the fucking coating of, of, of rubberized paint. Yeah. I don't know. One of those, like, perfect garage dudes where it's like, Instead of pimp my garage, pimp my grow room, where they come in and they do like you're saying, like the liquid pour, right. like rubberized, non-slip garage reflective flooring, but in your grow room. Nah, the only problem with it is it gets filthy dirty. You know, by after three months, it gets filthy dirty. But then you pull everything out, you clean the room again. Fuck it, man. Paint the floor again, man. Make yourself feel really good and clean. Yeah, man. Fucking paint the floor. Paint the floor. What are you doing today, man? You going out to party? Nah, I'm just going to stay home, clean my room, paint my floors, man. Get my shit together, you know? Oh, nice. That's right, man. All right, we got some leaves almost touching the cocoa from (laughs) Stinky Fingers. Stinky Fingers. All right. It's like me, man. I can almost touch my toes. Hey guys, new member here to the DGC. I've been growing out a couple plants since I got legalized here in Massachusetts. MA. Awesome. That's my wait. What's so? What's Maine and um, Maine is M N. I think, man. No, it's Minnesota. Well, what? Oh, yes. M E M E is Maine. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yep. Okay, so this is Massachusetts. Naturally, I fucked up on every turn, but thanks to recharge, they're finally starting to show some life. Yes. My question is, what can I use to keep leaves from touching the soil? And what can I do to prevent this in the future? Or should I even worry about it? Well, yeah, scissors work well. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Trim them up, man. Trim those plants up. And yeah, they do say that uh, having leaves touch the soil, like things can, like pathogens can get from, you know, like normally they wouldn't be able to get there, but they can just use the leaf as a, as a pathway. So yeah, keep them away from the soil. Keep them off the soil as they grow up. Just cut them, you know, kind of cut the plants. You should probably have, what, eight or ten inches under the plant anyway where there's air blowing and, and air movement and whatnot. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the whole idea, too. And not only not to touch potential pathogens that come up, but that's the area where you don't want it to stay damp or fungus gnats hang out. You want to be able to see your soil surface a little bit and just keep that under area and have, like you said, your fan fan going down there and all. So it's an area that's forgot about sometimes and grows, and that can create the microclimates where powdery mildew might want to take off or whatever. So Yeah, well, think about all that uh, that moisture. I always talk about how you can keep humidity high in uh, in a grow room by just adding more plants because of all the moisture that's wicking off a, a giant pot, a giant container. So, yeah, I mean, think about all the moisture that's wicking off those containers at the soil level. Talk about microclimate. Yes, sir. All right, let me queue up on Bud McLovin here. Uh, and I'm, st- you know, this is uh, this is this is a kind of interesting one. First off, I don't know if he did or Pothead Assistant the picture that was put up here. What do you got? It's like an animated. Well, this is titled "Alternative LED Options," and it's oh, got yeah. like, yeah, the- look at this light that he found, man. What's up, Bud McLovin? Oh, I was talking about also the uh, the lost uh, Ark um, Indiana Jones animation going on. This, this is all like him, man. This is all him. He's shining a light down. Mile. And the funny thing is, Bud McLovin, me and my family just watched that. Me and my kids haven't seen it in forever. My kids never have. And we just watched that. What is it? Raiders of the Lost Ark, I believe. That's is what that it's one called, show? man. That's what it's called. And they got all the Nazis up in there. And he's from Germany and whatnot. So this is all very strange. But anyway, I guess... Hi, guys. You're well-illuminated and enlightened. Bud McLovin is here. Uh, LED grow light market in the U.S. is with companies like Spectrum King, Pacific Light Concepts, and Full Motion. In addition, a number of the easy do-it-yourself kits, like from Living Legend Grow Mouse, is rising. The big problem, it's hard to get this stuff to Germany for a decent price because of shipping and taxes. That's the reason why I'm looking for alternatives. As you might remember, I am cursed to use LED because of a stealth factor low energy costs, and height restrictions of my attic. I found a few options from companies who sell LED for street and factory lighting, as well as manufacturers who produce for the movie and photo industry. Interesting. So you guys got to check this post out, man. You found this a picture of this really cool-looking panel. It's um, a blanket, it's man. A, I heard Scotty Real sleeps in an LED blanket, man. It is. It's, uh, <laughs> Look at that thing. Uh, very interesting LED. It, this thing cost... Three hundred and seventy-five dollars. It's a. I did the uh, the math. It's a flexible panel. He goes, which theoretically means I can wrap it like a blanket around the plant with a hundred watt passive cooling CR ninety-five and over twenty-one CRI. Th- My CRI is color CRI. rendering index, and that's the um, how close it is to the sun. So it's like really close to the sun. I think a hundred CRI is the sun. Yeah, and it says, uh, he goes on, it looks like it's the right, you know, it goes, uh, I can change the spectrum freely between 3,000 Kelvin, good for bloom, and 5,600, perfect for veg. And he goes, also, it's an LED panel, splash resistant. So, pretty interesting thing here, man. What do you think? Like, I could picture that if you're, like, making a cool circular grow tube or something. Yeah, I mean, I like I mean, how it's it flexible. It looks neat. It looks really cool. Yeah, uh, the cool thing about it is I do like the splash resistance and talk about being able to mount something on a wall for some side lining, side lighting or, uh, man, I don't know, you should pick it up, uh, Bud McLovin. Yeah, because... I mean, I would say that, you know, if we were at a grocery store and looking at thing and, and, and that thing and you were like, should I get it? I'd be like, dude, you should get that thing, man. It looks cool. Yeah, it's just one of those things you get to be cool. No, it's one of those about. things you try because you got to try things, man. Can't be afraid yeah, true, to fail, true. man. Somebody's got to try something in order for it to work or not work. 
and this is a product that looks like it's out of uh, the industry for like photography and film and stuff to put light in different areas. But I would, uh, you know what, I man, I, I will ask a grow guru, formerly led guru to have a look at this and we'll see what the, what the DGC says, man it says, uh, sir, Humboldt 420. I use the SMD. Uh, oh, I was just going to get technical. The SMD 5630 and 5050 led strips, man. <laughs> Five meter runs on a twelve volt five amp power supply. I run before between forty five and sixty watts, depending on the brand. It says his little plants love them so far. So kind of interesting. There's there's a, another option there, but yeah, I, I do like that, man. Yeah, and you know what? Who, who says somebody was like? I'd be interested in what Grow Mouse has to say. Grow Mouse, chime in on this. What do you think about this? Demented raw bast. Yeah, it goes on uh, an ending. He goes, uh, what do you think about this LED? Do you have any experience? Cheers and fuck Romstein. Romstein? Romstein must have like, lived next to him or something like that, man. <laughs> Kept him up late at night or something. Do? Do host? Or you, or you got that. Yeah, you got that neighbor. Like that. This, well, that's all they, they freaking play. Right, right. Or they really just do like. TV commercials and you know complete sellouts over in Germany, and then they come over and you know, put a single out in the U.S. Like they're really hard. <laughs> I know what's going on. All right, man. Who do you get? We got a store here carrying a recharge um, in America's best hydroponics. Oh, yeah, you know what? I, I love these guys, man. They were one of the early adopters of recharge in California, and uh, I don't know where Palmdale is, man, but they're right around Palmdale area. Palmdale Hydroponics is another store they got. But um, and I always want to congratulate them for being America's best hydroponics store, and they just don't, don't seem to like my humor when I do it, you know. On their website, it says 28 years of experience. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I call it, but I say, they say America's best hydroponics, and I go, congratulations, man. You know, like from Elf, you never seen it? And then they, <laughs> and then they go, oh, yeah, yeah, what do you want? Screw you, what do you want, man? No, nah, they're really uh, good over there, man. That's uh, uh, Victoria over there at America's Best Hydroponics and Palmdale Hydroponics. Thank you so much for believing in us and being one of the early adopters of Recharge. Is that California? It is. Gotcha. Okay. Okie dokie then. I'm going to talk about uh, what? Feelings? Wonderful world of hemp russet mites. Okay. <sighs> this is where we recreate the knowledge we learned and the audio we lost that we will get again. We'll really, get again. Really good. Sorry, Shane, if really, you're listening. Really, really good. Hugger Mugger 77. The wonderful world of hemp russet mites? Question mark. A hugger mugger, What's up? man. I'm thinking, man, is that somebody that mugs you and then comes over and gives you a hug? Or does it no, go you the hug opposite? them first. And you're you're like, hugging them and then you're like, it's starting to hurt. You, you hug them and you're like hugging them and you're like, man, how's it going? Sorry, you know, I'm t- going to take your wallet right now. Right. So I just wanted to give you a hug. All right. Anyway. All right, I like it. Mugging, hugging. Let's see what the hemp russet mites are doing. We're in the process of trying to eliminate russet mites on, on our indoor grow. Can you tell me how long russet mites can live off the plant? Example, on the walls, tools, etc. Also, will a wash of bleach water get rid of them? Okay. I'm wondering if you do have them beat, like, you know, if you think, you know, or maybe you're in an empty room situation because you're asking about bleach water and stuff. If your room's empty and you're going to bleach water or wipe down, and you're getting all the areas, you should be good. I mean, there's nothing there for them to live on, et cetera. Uh, we got into the talk with Shane 
from if you guys want to check it out, it's natural enemies, enemies biocontrol yep. dot com. The same thing. Super you can just cool yell natural enemies into your phone. He shows up. I don't know. There's a lot of that one's not as specific. There's a lot of natural enemies, whether it's involving human beings <laughs> or dogs. I don't know. But basically, yeah, right, a this, mongoose and a and a, a viper show up. Oh, cool. I'm the gonna, uh, his website's cool. A real simple navigation for your target pest, and then when you click on it. Boom, it brings up all the potential beneficial insects you can use. Uh, now, keep in mind, you guys that have like four lights plus um, starts to become applicable for the, the type when you're getting beneficials online. A real small gardener is not usually willing to pay the $166 to get 25 sachets of Andersoni predator mites or whatever. But well, if I you mean, can if your harvest is worth it. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, for sure. If you have other growers you can network with as well. Um, but either way, because uh, we're going back to the hemp russet mites, um, I learned about also a, which I remember, we talked about this a few times on the show, but I wanted to give the details real quick. I think even Grow Guru might have had this straight, but I was questioning it. So I pulled the hot air treatment. Uh, this method can only be used in contained areas. Uh, obviously, rooms that can be sealed by raising the air temperature to 115 degrees for 15 to 20 minutes. Best results were reported with a man. That's hard and 100% humidity. Using at least two circulation fans to create some vortex. All as all eggs may not be terminated. Repeat weekly. That's tough, dude. Though who can do 100% yeah. humidity? Nah, man. That's. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, hey, I just wanted to chime in because we were talking about that. That'll probably right. have a negative effect on if you're trying to run beneficials, of course, as well. Right. But um, man, so we were talking. Go ahead. Well, we were just talking to Shane earlier, a natural enemy, Shane, who's not our natural enemy, man. He's a friend of the DGC. <laughs> but he was. We were talking, and I said, so. So you start with, and he's like, you start with the soil, man. You always put something in the soil to, you know, to keep, you know, the best. The, what is it? The, the best uh, defense is a good offense. You know. So, yeah. So he's, he was. We were talking about. So I asked him. We were in that Minnesota nice video. Uh, they were talking about hypoaspis, and he was saying that they're some new name now. They're Stratolopis or something ridiculous like that. But anyway, hypoaspis are those crawl around in the soil. So he's like, yeah, you definitely get those going. And then he was talking about there's different. There's uh what there there's the Californicus. There's the Andersoni. There's this a Schwartzky that he was talking about. Schwartzky. That was, uh, you know, that that like goes over something slightly different. So there was there was definitely. Uh, oh, those yeah, he had my interest for, at that soil uh, one because I've never used uh, anything other than the bacteria, uh, you know, the Bacillus thuringiensis, as right. well as the the nematodes. And I was looking at it and I was like, ah, oh, it's probably pretty expensive. But that one guy's actually it was twenty eight dollars. Uh, plus shipping to get, and he's, I'm like, how much can you treat with that? And he's like, I think four. He said 401 gallons. He's like, I could treat 401 gallons, inoculate. But what's to, treat to, mean, man? There's a difference between one of the other things that he'd say. Well, I'll say inoculate with this species, so a fungus and that larvae are present, then it's going to be pretty much taken care of. I don't know. So you know, I mean, the one thing that I that I did get out of the conversation was that rates have a lot to do with it. And if you have a flare up, you might need to use a lot of these things. And the idea might be that they just go and they eat. Uh, sometimes they might, the conditions might not be right for them to even reproduce, but you set them out there, you let them eat, you let them handle the flare up and you know, whatever it costs, it costs. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's no, really. I, we, we will get this guy. We, we will get Shane from Natural Enemies back on when, when we get our equipment fixed. Man, oh my god! But one interesting. <laughs> you almost just sounded like you're on Coffee Talk or something. Oh my oh. god! So uh, the one, the one interesting take, uh, kind of a correction in my mind from that real quick was the fact that because I always tell people, hey man, if you're later in bloom, week six and shit, and you guys think you might have a few mites. Why not throw out some predators? And he's like, actually, with cannabis, we've been finding, we try to cut them out. Like once you, you know, week five, once your flowers really start developing the trikes, and this makes total sense when I picture what it looks like. I call it a trike forest. He's like, the predators get stuck, especially if you're growing the dank, and they have trouble walking through there. And he said, if you let, if you release them low, all not all, but most predatory insects, I think, kind of have an inkling to climb upwards to right. search the plant. right. Once they reach a flower with all those trikes and stuff, that's like a barrier. They get stuck or else they just don't want to crawl through it. Dude, if kind you of were walking and then you went into a freaking forest of trichomes, man, you know, the size of your body, would you go anywhere, <laughs> man? I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah, you'd be like, okay. So that was a pretty I'm interesting staying. point. But, it was real uh, interesting, well, but what he said was at that point, it's not that there's no solutions left, but at that point you go from crawlers to flyers. You know, and there was a whole bunch, you know, he had several different species of flying insects that, that control as well. But the idea is they're not crawling around, they're flying. And like I said, I'm doing a terrible job of, uh, you know, you know, regurgitating the information he gave me, uh, you know, Shane gave me. We really need to get him back on. And, and I'm sure he repeats this 15 to 20 times a day. So repeating it for the DGC, hopefully, hopefully he's willing. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I agree. What can you do, dude? Right. Okay? You can just smile and laugh, okay? <laughs> that was sad. <laughs> that yeah, was a laugh. At the end of, the, end of the non-recording. It's <laughs> pretty much how you were. You're like, uh, I'm not ready to start the show. Give me just a moment. <laughs> this right. is where I was I hope those rust mites are gone. Hugger mugger 77. And uh, remember to yeah, do preventative movement on, especially if you uh, want to get into um, just not having to sweat them. I, mean, I won't say that, but always have know. bugs that are eating them. Have bugs that are they're there looking for mites, and if there's a couple that are getting started, these bugs are either eating them or they're starving to death, man. All right, bugs, yeah. bugs don't have a soul, man, so we're okay. <laughs> you checked in. <laughs> I haven't thought about it much, and I'm not going to. All right, good, good. All right, man. Let's see here. Supplemental lighting indoor veg box. Oh no, number. Uno number 14. <laughs> That's, no. that, is that clear Spanish for you? <laughs> yes. Catorce. All right. Uh, supplemental lighting for indoor veg box. Do we hit this one? No, we didn't hit this one. Um, and stinky fingers. <laughs> hey, guys. With great intentions, my brother bought me a two-foot, four-tube agro-bright. With 6,400 Kelvin bulbs. So that two is foot. a four tube. So that that's a T5, a, just a little two foot T5 bulbs. Is that what that is? I don't know. They very well might be T8s. I don't know. T12s. Nah, I don't think so, man. I think they're T5s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it says at the end here T5s. So anyway, instead of returning and upgrading it, I decided to run it and see what it can do for me. Because of the low output and tiny footprint, I'm thinking I wouldn't be able to veg any more than two plants with it. And would like to buy some more lighting to help me be able to at least veg four plants. What kind of lighting would be a good addition for veg only? Should I just get another four-tube T5? 
Um, Man, I don't really, I don't know about the penetration of the T fives. I think they do okay, but they're great for a veg light. Man. That's what I mean. But maybe get a veg light and maybe go grab a three fifteen for a. Uh, you know, you what you got like a two? Is this two hundred watts here for that? Or no? I guess they're probably. I don't know. What are the two foots? I'm used to the four foot tubes. Are the two foots half as much wattage? Yeah, they're they're actually so since they're two foot, they're half the size of a four foot. Right. And they're but half that, the wattage. Does that make it half the wattage? I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> um, anyway, if you like to be uniform, kind of like I do in some things, uh, some things, you know, some people are get I, a uniform canopy and lighting way to do this would be yes. Just getting another exact same thing of what you have. That's probably what I would do um, or, you know, just because it's going to work out good and it is good veg light. So. I'm yeah, down. I would think for veg, for clones, that kind of thing, I think it'd be good. And uh, make sure, again, some people don't believe when I say change out your bulbs every six months. I know commercial facility, man. Uh, commercial facilities definitely watch their dollar, uh, and they change out. I was kind of surprised. I thought they'd go every year. Like, ah, we know it's six months, but we see we're doing all right at a year. Every six months, they change out their tubes. Really? Kind of a downfall, though, when I'm thinking about the environmental aspect of why LED kicks ass. So I always yeah. say, stinky fingers, if you have the means, think about picking up some LED. I think you're well, right, dude. If you have dude. the means. What? I said, I think you're right. There is, like we said earlier in the show, there is something nice about not changing bulbs out. All right. You hanging in there, man? Are you hanging in for I'm real? I'm chilling, man. Yeah, you know, I always love to talk grow. Love to talk grow. Work 14. Let's see what else we can handle here real quick before we take a break. Maybe just a couple more shout-outs and uh, see if you guys keep them coming in. I like it. If you guys keep all this grow talk coming in, that is awesome. We'll see how much we can handle. Of course, it might get to a point where we're overloaded, and then we might have to do like, a, I don't know, a member show. Or that was my idea, man, doing a little, little bit of extra grow talk on Tuesdays or Thursdays for the members, man. But just an idea, you know. It's always good to throw ideas out there on the air before they're all possible, clearly possible. thought out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Newts and PPM. Let's see what's going on here. Did I miss one? Did I miss one? Did I? Oh, this is where there was two number fourteens on our format to be. Yeah, no, I think you're right though. I think we're good here. Newts and PPM. I'm on it. All right. So, uh, Nanner Nanner Boy, <laughs> posted by Nanner Boy. Is what's up, DGC? Love being a member. All, what's up? Oh, I, yeah, I was trying to figure out who it was by. All the knowledge uh, from you guys. I was wondering, my tap order is 470 ppm. That's pretty, pretty high. Yeah, man. I remember dining with Dave. He'd be like, you got to chew it before you drink it. <laughs> Do I subtract that from what I'm putting in nutrients, say 1,000 ppm, or do I just keep the 470 and bring it up to 1,000? That's what you want to do, I believe. Uh, so, unless you get a water analysis, know what you're working with. Second question. I would be cleaning cup. that water is what I'd be trying to do. I mean, yeah, let's answer the first question. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, go get yourself a water filter and clean that water up a little bit, man, because there's a bunch of stuff in there that might not be plant. You know, it's probably not plant available. You know, you got, you know, rust. I don't know about rust, but a bunch of uh, calcium and stuff like that from uh, from the pipes, and it's just not in the plant available form. Yeah, but you're in agreement with uh, if if he has does not have that option and he's using this 470 ppm, 
He doesn't want to. He wants to take and he wants to be at a thousand ppm on his feed chart. That's mm-hmm. where he wants to go to. You don't want to go to fourteen seventy. Yeah, right? I, I. You know, it kind of does depend what's in the water, though. I think you're right, dude. But I'm just thinking that four or five hundred parts per million of nothing, you know, and not nothing, but of, of sediment or whatever the hell it is. Um, if we don't know what we're working with, man, that's what. What do we got? We're we're at four hundred. We're getting to a thousand. Look, I'm going to use my math here, okay, man, and I'm going to say that that's forty percent. All right, that's actually forty, you know, four seventy to a thousand. That's forty-seven percent opportunity lost to put nutrients in. You know, you, you know, you want to put nutrients in. You want to be able to control the nutrients that are in there. So you're all, you're losing, you know, half of your ability to put nutrients in there. Man, I would. Uh, you know, get that stuff out of the water. Start with some better water, you know, filtered water, and uh, then you can put, you know, 1,000 ppm of what you want in there and really control it. Could be worse. You could live by a major fracking area, and then you turn it on and just fire comes out. Fire! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good point, man. Filter it if you can. RO kind of sucks with the wastewater, but in this situation, you might want to think about it. It's not all that much of a hassle as long as you got to drain uh, by your filter and you know it would be a good way to to know what you're dealing with yeah it always is man always a good idea to start with good quality water dgc cup second question i was wanting to plan and go ongoing do you know about expected costs uh, i don't know man what you thinking man i think uh, it's like know? a straight uh, uh forty two hundred dollars per person to walk through the door man yeah <laughs> everybody gets a rolex and no, I'm just kidding. Oh, I think last year tickets were like twenty bucks. I don't know if I recall. <laughs> I think there were twenty, and then judges passes. I think was forty dollars. That is on the works. Um, yeah, we will know soon. He also says, "So could I start saving? Could I start saving being married with kids and all, and living out of town, traveling?" Are the roads full of police? No, no. The, the police f- actually are really cool on the, the week of 420, and they take all the time off, man. So it's all good, man. They just look the other way that week. Yeah. Sarcastic. Really? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I'm not going to say they're out to get you. Just as long as you're practicing safe practices as far as where you're smoking or what you're up to. I mean, if you're openly smoking, they'll cite you for that. Uh, otherwise, hopefully by that time, there's going to be a few different options more than ever for clubs and places to smoke. But, um, yeah, they're not I out to get you. be smoking at the event, that's for sure. They're not out to get you? I always thought the police were out to get me. Hmm. That's debatable. Depends on who you are and what you're doing, doesn't it? It kind of does, I guess, man. You know. It was always after my brother trip. <laughs> really yeah well what was he doing nothing <laughs> nothing nothing at all uh, anyway oh, all right man. let's see here it's pretty good let's take one last break of the show scotty and we'll come back and go a little bit into turbo mode a little Deal. bit of uh eight hour buzz mode <laughs> and uh check Check it all out at DeGrows. Hope you're enjoying the extended Grow Talk. Let's do it.
Listen to the roach, ain't leaving nothing. Roll another, keep it coming. Don't know what you got in yours. I can tell you what's in mine. Cinderella 99, Hindu cushion cherry pie. What you used to grow it with that mocha guano. Mocha guano. Organic in the sativa OG Taro. OG Taro. I was burning when I smelled the smoke from someone else's birth. And what is in that stuff you puffing on? Reminds me of a skunk. He was smoking Indo. She was smoking out. And if there's brown weed and they blunt, we must be in the drought. Cause only the highest grade we blaze. Got enough weed to last for days. And whatever was in that back would got my mind in the purple haze. What's in that weed we smoking? Searching for a month or two for a place to light it up. If the landlord lived in Timbuktu, we couldn't be far enough. Now I find my space is the perfect place for lighting brighter than the sun. But they don't know. I just see a big grow. Meet the landlord and put on my glasses. Call up and I rent a Volvo. Just because I look like an accountant. It's your ass to rent me yeah, huh, 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 huh. I won't use this place as a grow room But I'm lying Yeah, I'm lying Oh, I'll throw up lights in every fucking room Till I'm frying Every goddamn wire Oh, I won't use this place as a grow room But I'm lying yeah, I'm lying. Oh, I'll throw up lights in every fucking room till I'm frying every goddamn wire. Oh. All right, all right. We trying to do? Let's do it. That one rapper. Who is that, man? I mean, you know, man, uh, who the fuck knows what I'm trying to do? There's nothing original in my head. It all comes from, you know, some rap I heard when I was a kid or, you know, like, what the hell was that last one we did? You know, that was uh, the last thing I said, you know, it's just like from some 1993 song that I heard or something, you know? It's amazing how that shit gets stuck in your head. Dude, that was Wild Thing, man. Dench, yeah, you're right. Dench, there you go. Dench, That's what I mean. Man, you know, See, I bet you I could do it good enough to where YouTube will pull our show. Dench, dench. Wild thing. <laughs> but what was the last time you heard that song? And the fact that you could probably sing most of the words to it. It's stuck in your head. That like, song's how much badass. do I fucking have in there, man? I'm going to cue it to play right after we get off the air, because if I do it now, um, <laughs> it will uh, ban us Wild Thing song. All right, now it's all yeah, set up. Yeah, man. That was white boy rap right there, man. <laughs> He's not white, is he? No, but he got the white boys all going, hey, man, this is pretty good. I like this rap yeah. music stuff. <laughs> it's like that one stupid song that annoys me so bad, so we're going to get back on point. The, uh, you think you steal the streets are tough. Anyway. Oh, I'm glad I don't listen to music. Or listen to anyway, radio, back to Girl Talk. Say. Nothing current. Let's see. Let's see. What do you Turbo. Got, <laughs> this is how Turbo Grow Talk sounds. All I got right. biochar. You got biochar. You said you were going. Oh, don't man. go too deep on this now. Yeah. But you okay. found some information. Let's see what's up. Let's uh, biochar by Fish Ganja Guy. Thank you, sir. That is a cool picture of what biochar looks like. It's sweet. Man, there was just a, those... there's just a great article that really explains biochar. I put it in in the notes here. Um, 
Man, I should just read it. It's from the Biochar Journal. And I just, uh, dude, just stop me, okay? But it says, because it starts about carbon. You know, I'm talking about carbon and soil. To understand biochar, we first have to appreciate the role of soil carbon. And soil carbon comes in many forms, but the two main forms are organic and inorganic, you know? Organic forms can be divided into, like, recalcitrant carbon, or uh, that's resistant to decay, okay? Like humus or hummus, however you guys want to say it. And then labile carbon, where the carbon's bioavailable, and it's in the form of easily degraded compounds. And that's like oils, sugars, alcohol. Uh, and it, that's physically accessible to microbes. It's not bound up with minerals. And I mean, think about it, man. Carbon can be a fucking diamond. You know, it could be a, a you know, a, a corn, you know, a, a vegetable, Brussels sprouts. They both contain carbon, but I'd rather eat Brussels sprouts. I can't eat a diamond. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, man. No. Some people can. <laughs> The organic carbon pool includes both the living bodies and the dead decomposing bodies of bacteria, fungi, insects, and worms, along with plant debris and manure. Inorganic carbon consists of carbohydrate ions, which are typically found as salts, like calcium carbonate and dolomite minerals, mostly in the form of rocks and sand. However, the main distinction of the inorganic carbon pool is that it does not fundamentally provide microbes with energy for feeding the soil building reactions, all right? So I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody, but it's fairly interesting. If you're trying to understand carbon in soil and try, you know, really trying to understand organics, which I am trying to do, um, this is a, you know, that, that's a powerful, you know, that, that's some stuff to learn right there, labile carbon. And the point is that the plants can, uh, sorry, the microbes can use some of this as food and some of it they can't. Same way, you know, we, you know, I'm thinking like a tree. I can't use a tree as, a, as food. I can, use, I can make a tree and, t- and make a shelter out of it and live in it, but I'm not eating it. So the uh, biochar is used uh, a lot of times. There, there is some labile carbon that the plant, uh, that the microbes can eat and use. And then when it's hollow, you know, when there's none left, it's a structure. It always serves as a structure for microbes to live in, you know. So it's, uh, uh, it's aeration. It's, it's structure for the microbes. And it's... Uh, you know that that's why I use it, and it doesn't break down. How it's, do you use it? I use it as an aerator in place of perlite. Interesting. Yeah. Your, is it yours? Is uh, <clears throat> you said like the like pencil lead diameter kind of? Or? Yeah, it looks like little pencil leads. Mine does. You can do it. A lot of times, people just make it. All char is is you're burning something, but there's not enough air for it to have a complete burn. So you choke out the air, and it's like that black. You've probably seen it like when you choke out a campfire or something like that. Um, so th- there's all these like really easy, to w- easy ways to make char out of 55-gallon drums and stuff. They call them retorts. You can, you can Google it and what stuff. What about the Kingsford briquettes? Can I just break those down and throw them in? That's got shit. I think that's like all like wood glue, and it's like all stuff from cabinet makers. You know what I mean? Like it's all like wood scraps and stuff. And yeah, you know. but I could get those easy light ones. That might do good. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> it's like that natural lump charcoal. You ever seen like natural lump charcoal? Yeah, I know exactly. They actually have bamboo charcoal across the street, and that's, that's pretty, probably yeah. exactly what biochar. Yeah, is. you could use that and grind it up. I bet, man. I bet unless there's some kind of weirdness on there. But yeah, that that's pretty much what biochar is. And think about it; it's all hollow. You can look at it and see, you know. If you look at it in a microscope, it's like a honeycomb almost. It looks like you're looking into a sponge. And it's just all these. The worst thing that can happen with soil is it gets compact 
infected and nothing can breathe in there. There's all these living components that are supposed to be breathing, moving around, which makes air pores so the roots can move around. And, uh, and they're pooping the whole time, making this fertilizer. They're eating stuff and pooping the whole time. You know, so this is like a bunch cool. of little shelters for them. The worst thing that can happen in that soil is they get compacted so they can't breathe or move around. So Good you know. comments on here, too. Thanks, Aaron from Oregon. Oh, Demented Rob. Um, appreciate it. He, he goes, there's a great podcast. I'll give a, a shout to Build a Soil over there. There's a link here if you guys want to check out Jeremy uh, talking some biochar. He's also on our show, so if you want to use the search bar to search Man, Build a Soil. Him. We should have him on again, man. He's such a great uh, wealth of knowledge. We gotta reach yeah, out, exactly. man. So, ch- actually, I'm gonna make a note right now as well to listen to that. I should listen to that. I've been interested in amending biochar. I was more concerned a little bit about if it would mess up the pH. Did you say is it a pH of neutral? Like if I were to do a runoff test on it, or God, you, you know, know, I can't remember. It depends what it's made out of. From what I remember, I'm t- I was really into biochar a couple of years ago. I haven't fucked with it in a while, but uh, just when I was do- getting back into this organics and making the super soil, I called for some. Um, aeration. I was like, man, why don't I use biochar for aeration? So I called up my buddy uh, who does you know, biochar, James from Biochar Now. I'll give him a, a little shout out. And uh, he's like a Colorado guy. And I, can't, I don't know what they're using. I think I thought that was beetle kill pine, but I'm really not sure. Um, but yeah, they have these huge retorts, retorts and we're just making this beautiful char. So he was saying, I think 10, 5 to 10% is really all you need as a soil amendment. And then you can go a little bit higher if you want to use it for aeration. But I thought he was saying anything over 10% as a soil amendment is kind of a waste. Cool. Right on. Well, good to know. I know some uh, Don't get potted so excited, not... man. Don't get so excited well, about no, I was biochar, tell you that I, I am because there's a Sohum, so if I'm saying that right, soils. will be at this Indo Expo. I know they inoculate in there. There's some other so- pre-mixed soils that you see that are using it. I'm thinking uh, to... about playing around with it and doing a – I've got a really inoculated biochar as you take char. And they're also talking about um, you, char will initially rob uh, nutrient of, of – you know, it'll take nutrient. Um, so, uh, oh shit, man, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, you have to inoculate it, man. You don't just put raw char in your soil because it'll actually uh, take nutrient from the soil. So I would inoculate it with something like earthworm castings. Maybe I put some recharge on there, let it sit for a while. And also it happens that things bond to it, you know, the, uh, uh, whatever it oxidizes, so as it oxidizes, it gets a little bit better. But I was thinking about trying to inoculate a big batch of biochar. I got a source of a really good earthworm castings, and I got a source of some really good biochar. So stay yeah, tuned. There man. you go, new product, char charge. Yeah, well, oh, recharge. That's what I'd call it. recharge. I'd already thought about it late at night, man. But I'm just thinking Reach. about playing around with it and maybe Reach putting it in the, in the nug vault or something like that. Yeah, rechar. There you go. All right, all right. Fair enough. Let's go on to... Uh, I can imagine what I sound like on 125%, man. It seems like it would hurt. <laughs> Since we turboed through that one. Thanks, Scotty. Uh, <laughs> to, Is there uh, sarcasm there? Uh, advanced lighting sciences... Oh, yeah, man, this is something we wanted to do, man. I call it the member area break-in, you know, for all you non-members out there. Um, There's just a a little bit of the uh, advanced lighting sciences that uh, I really should rename. Compared to so many other people, it's not advanced at all. But for me, it was advanced, all right? I was digging deep for this one. And, uh, man, you know what? Give me two minutes, man. Let me me just play a hunk of this really quick, all right? All right. Throw it in. Here you go, man. 
and then I'll be right back. Ootley. Uh, I'm about to get pretty deep involved into lighting science today. It's a weakness of mine. I'm the kind of guy that walks into the grow store and talks to the guy that seems to know what the hell he's talking about and say, hey, man, which one of these is better? What do you think, man? And there is math and science that's going, you know, it has to do with what's coming out of the light, the amount of spectrum or you know, whatever the light or the plant is able to absorb, actually. I guess it really doesn't matter what that light bulb is putting out. Because it's just going to waste if it's something that's meant for, you know, a warehouse and human beings, you know, to light up a warehouse or something like that. How are how our eye sees the same light as plants, but okay. we see different um, colors of light as brighter than they do. Where to the human eye, green is the brightest color. Right. To the human eye and to plants, it's blue and red light. Yeah, I'm thinking like like we're going to go over the McGree curve and whatnot, and you know we're going to get into this stuff. But I saw, and it's like orange light seems to be uh, the most powerful, you know, or at least uh, it, you know, it was it's, it was highest on on the chart anyhow as far as absorption above 600 nanometer lights. Here, yeah. Here's my point: LED, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, HPS lights. They're orange, yellowish. You go into the room, it's that weird orange yellow light. It doesn't look all that bright, you know? Mm-hmm. You can go into one of those rooms. It doesn't look all that bright, but that's the HPS. there's is, photons there. Right. That's what the plant sees, man. So what, what the human eye sees and what plant sees are, are pretty damn different. You, you got our inspiration up there, man, the sun, <laughs> man. So that, that's what we're all trying to be here, guys, you know, that pure sunlight. Good stuff, Ooh, man. The video breakdown from earlier today, that was what, the Oregon sun-grown guild oh, yeah. guy? Yeah, they look like they're having fun, man. Yeah, they look like they know how to have a good time. <laughs> all right, man. So, dude, let's just get into it, man. I'm going to be shutting my mouth a good bit here and letting Guru teach me a little bit. Um, first thing I see here, okay, so this is par. Every time we talk to, to lighting guys, one of the most basic things they say, you say, well, lumens is how, you know, Home Depot and Lumens Phil- is for humans, plant C par. There you go. You know, but yeah, he, lumens is when you go look in a Home Depot catalog. It says this light puts out this much lumens because they're, you know. And that for, makes sense for Home Depot because sure. it's for like. Warehouses, warehouses ha- homes, homes, patios, stuff, yeah. Where- the human eye is what they're trying to render light under. So when we're talking plants, though, when we walk into a, a garden center or when we're talking buying a $500,000, $1,500 light, we want to understand what it's putting out that the plant can use. And that's photo photo photosynthetically active radiation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, man. So I'm just going to call it PAR. Um, so what's this say, man? It's not really a measurement, but part of the electromagnetic spectrum. I'm already gone, man. Yeah, man. You see me trying to learn, bro? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> that was interesting, though, man. Uh, I, I did learn a lot through that one. We really we need to continue it. And what is it? I think we need to still explain Kelvin and really get into uh, a PPFD is what I'm supposed to, to explain. That's right. I could never really understand that shit, man. So I kind of got it. was my sticking point, man. I'm thinking I need to have <laughs> Grow Mouse on, man. Grow Mouse could probably really help me make sense of this stuff. Grow where you at, brother? He's there. He's where he is there. He's, He's always Grow always answers when I need him. So it's like nothing a, like a but love. Superhero type shit. Nah, he's just always. You know, there's some people, man, where you can always call them and they pick up the phone. And they're like, "Hey, what's up? Yeah, I can help you." <laughs> you know what I mean? He's one of those guys, man. All right, let's get into how to dry the right way. And natural predator IPM from 808 Lathe Dog. I'm going to go with Lathe Dog. 
James <laughs> County. I've just completely completed my third grow out here in Hawaii. Awesome. I just cut the girls down this morning. I immediately realized I had a real estate problem as I grew, thanks to the DGC show, a lot more herb than I thought would I be able to pull off. What is the best way to dry the plants? Hang the whole plant up for a few days or go right to the drying racks? Also, okay, we'll start right there real quick. Um, don't I don't use don't use drying racks in Hawaii. It's a bit more humid. This is where I mean I've been going to just trying to cut as big of pieces, if not whole plant, myself these days, and leaving water leaves on because it's winter time in Colorado and it's really dry. Right. If I lived in Hawaii, I'd probably segment that plant out into a few pieces and at least remove the water leaves because it's plenty humid there typically, you know? Yeah, it really does depend on humidity, but you want, like, what, 60% humidity, I would say? Man, we just did that, uh, shit, I think it was the Jungle Boys video, and they were talking 60% humidity in the 60s. You know, maybe I think they were, he was saying 60 degrees. Burner was saying 60 degrees, but... Well, that's where when we got... I'm dealing with 30, 25 to... 35% humidity in my drying room while I'm leaving the leaves on. So, looking for any help you can get. Anyway, just talking shit. Let's go and move on with the question here. So, um, yeah, in the drying racks, we don't like the drying racks because you're dicing the plant up. I mean, it's good in a spot. If you don't, it's going to dry you sometimes too quick. Maybe not in Hawaii. I don't know, but uh, and not have great flavor. And then they get a little bit of the flower leaning on one side and that side of the flower dense if you're really trying to be kind of sewer ish. So, but he goes, also, I grow in soil outdoors after vegging indoors under 13-watt LED bulbs and clip-on lamps, okay? So far, I have had leaf miners and some sort of mite problem, but a local grower gave me a tip that others in the warm climates may use. He said, put the plants next to a wall, rock or otherwise, and let the geckos eat the bad guys. It worked as when I cut the girls down. I found evidence of mite infestations underneath some of the fan leaves. But as a whole, the plant looks great, and my geckos are fat. <laughs> I'm a huge man, fan so of predators. Fucked up, man. I was totally had that idea. Like, the same idea popped into my head last week. I was thinking about in Florida, there's, I don't know if they're geckos, or we call them just little lizards, man. But these little lizards all over the place. And I'm like, man, I should get some of those, have my buddy throw a few, and, uh... Yeah, pack them on ice, man. They're cold-blooded. And get, get them up here, man. They'd run around in my grow room and love it. Wow, man. Yep. We're thinking the same. Um, and So, yeah, especially I'm a huge fan of predators, especially small dinosaur ones. So, yeah, it's super cool. That's when I was learned that the, uh, the wasp nest I had really close, like a foot from the canopy of my outdoor grow one year. Right. Um, which I never got stung. And we, I would work within a foot of that nest a lot. And uh, just because I think we but had an understanding. Are bees but meat eaters? I don't know. I think they, they yeah, they, I, I think some wasps, they uh, will eat the little type of uh, mites on your leaves. You'll see them on the leaves working and shit. Really? So. Nice. Oh, yeah, I and, guess so. Well, they have parasitic wasps. I mean, some of those, yeah, wasps, definitely, because uh, some of the things you'd I hate find. the word like, parasitic, man. It makes me feel like a wasp is going to put an egg in my ear and yeah, it's going to live in there. Man. Uh, so just, <laughs> he goes, Lathe Dog just became a member. You guys rock even all the way down there at the 18-degree latitude. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Lathe Dog. Where you live, Lathe Dog? We're part of Hawaii, man. That's a, a, an awesome place to go. I am one of the uh, dudes that likes to come out and try and act real loco, you know? I'm just, <laughs> just trying to fit in. I'm over the dude. You don't go to Hawaii anymore and rent a Jeep Wrangler. It's just like <laughs> that's I've, everybody. 
I mean, it's you know, you know, it's a tourist, man. It's just like look at those guys in the jeep. It also puts up a flag if you're not smart to get your shit robbed. But uh, sure. man, I'm I wanna, sure I'm gonna, gotta, they got to be over the tourists there. No, I want to plan ahead of time and like on Craig's buy like a '81 Toyota 4x4 pickup, rusted and shit for like a G. And then I just use it for I'm there. If people are going to so, start asking you for directions you get there. You're like, I don't know. I just rented this. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. Did, Here, we, did, move did on. we even answer a question, man? Yes, I agree, man. Get lizards, man. Yeah. Uh, I think it, he proved it, man. I think he proved awesome. it. I love it. All right, so what happens, man? So we, they ship all sorts or all sorts of stuff, right? You ship all sorts of live predators. So we, I go and collect a dozen of these things down in, down at my uh, farm in Florida, where they're everywhere. I put them in a cooler with an ice pack because they're cold blooded, so it should slow them down to almost a stop, right? FedEx them over to uh, uh, to, to, to the uh, the grow here, man. What do you think? Any chance they're going to reanimate? Hmm. I don't know. I don't. What do you mean by reanimate? Go come back to life. Hang on. Peta is uh, outside my front door. You're telling <laughs> me that lizards have souls. They've thought about it. Oh, I thought it was insects. Don't. But once you get into the reptilian era, there are souls. Yep, that's what one of their signs says. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. It's funny how you like things. See, you like things until they annoy you. Like, oh, you know, look at. Look at the cute mouse. And then, like, you find my shit in your drawer and your dog right. food bag screwed up. And you're like, okay, man, it's on, motherfuckers. I yeah. Used to <laughs> but the sticky traps, man, I can't handle that shit. Who, I mean, what, what do you want to tra- trap something? And then it's like, oh, I just can't go anywhere anymore. Well, think was- about what we were talking about, the springtails, man. The springtails eat a fungus and then it grows out of their stomach like something you'd see in the fucking alien movie, man. Uh, you know, they're still alive. They stay alive. I want to see a human sticky trap. <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. They're just bungle food. Oh, I'll give a quick stoner movie shout real quick. I know we're trying to wrap it up, but it seems as I get a little a little um, tuckered out from being on the mic. <laughs> I start to get a little loose. Uh, watch the out. show. Watch the show with the family. None of the family knew what it is. I don't even know if you know what this movie is. Time Bandits. Dude, and, I seen uh, Time Bandits in the movie theater, homie. And it's it an awesome. Weird. My wife's like, what the hell is this? That's what it's I like, said. My kids That's dug what it. My mom said. It's a movie. It's a rips and bongs before, during, and after. And it's still a cool flick. Anyway, so. It's like 1980 or something, right? Would a male help increase resin production? I don't know. I don't think so. Posted let's let's by think this out, dude. Let's think this out. Mangled remains. Remains. Mangled remains, man. Mangled remains. Mangled remains. Is that Maybe that's like a heavy metal dude out there, man. You know? I could see it. Since I was at work yesterday and was thinking about ways to increase resin production on flowering ladies. Now, this may have already been thought of, but wondering what the DGC has to say about it. So since a female flower produces resin to help pollen stick to it, would it be beneficial to have, let's say, a vegging male plant put in the same room as the flowering ladies? You would have to remove the male before it lights out to keep it in veg. Maybe keep the male and just keep plucking the pollen sacs before they even get close to opening up. Just thinking that would help the ladies complete by pushing more resin since they should be able to sense the male in the room. Sorry for the ramble. (laughs) Thanks for reading. Hmm. I know when I am in the room, the ladies can sense it. 
Yeah, you know what man. That's what I'm thinking. It's my pheromones, <laughs> homie. Like I call it the Dutch. I could not resist, man. That, that was so cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have no. That seems a little bit. Uh, I don't know. A little bit over something. Yeah, you know, we'd have to be stoned and smoking a joint for me to follow you on this one, brother. Uh, I just don't know. I, not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Nothing in the propagation manuals says that that should provide any benefit. Well, but you know say, what? Instead of saying no way, don't do it. Fucking try it, man. See what happens. Yeah, just be careful what you're doing. There's some good comments down here um, as far as what's going on. Thanks, Collard Greens, Fish Ganja Guy, um, Mangled Remains, slightly inappropriate comment involving ladies getting wet and uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. soup. <laughs> so, hey, man. I've been what? told that we're the one podcast that people can listen to with their wives and their wives don't be like, turn that off. Oh, my so. God. Be <laughs> yes, cool, man. Would, be cool. Don't blow it with speak the chicks, of, man. There, you know, there's so many other grow shows out there. But yeah, it's all good. Definitely, we are not X-rated. We're like braided G comparatively. All right. <laughs> Shout out, dudes. All right, man. So let's see Move what we forward. got going on here, man. It's going to be uh, – let's, let's see what there. we got. Come on. Uh, help increase resin production done. Oh, my. See, we got All right, I got more. you, man. Yeah, I got you, man. So this liquid right bionutrients versus liquid living bio. soil. Liquid bionutrients versus living soil. And let me read this one because it's right up my alley. It says, really? really really love your show. On your next episode, could you explain the difference between biocana or any liquid organic nutrient in cocoa or soil compared to true living soil and no-till? Are liquid organic nutrients salt-based? Do they make the bud taste just as good as no-till? Can microbiology be sustained in 100% cocoa? Thanks, gentlemen. I live in a prohibition state with a mandatory minimum of five years for one seed, and I'm jealous every time I listen to you. Damn it. Hold on. Let me tell you what's going on in my grow. I'm just messing with you, dude. Oh, mandatory minimum five years. Who's left like that? Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Texas, maybe. Jeez. No, I think Texas is, I don't know. I don't know. Is Texas really that bad anymore? I hear, like, Austin's really cool. and I hear a parody. Beastie Boys fight for your right to grow. <laughs> you know, I was trying to, to grow weed. I'd already thought about that one, man. Um, of course. What do you got with the difference with liquid organics is the same as no-till? There's good it's, questions here. It's not, man. I think what they do in with a lot of these liquid organics is uh, I was talking to a grow guru about this, and we were talking about how, like, um, I thought it was uh, shit, Nectar for the Gods, who's a really good, you know, highly thought of, good quality organic line, that they use something like full, like a really good quality fulvic acid to digest a bunch of mineral nutrients. And that, that's kind of the idea behind, uh, and I, I might have this wrong. If I do, I apologize. I'm trying my best. But um, that, that that was kind of the idea is you had these natural uh, minerals and, and they're and they're naturally chelated. So it's uh, and then they use microbes the same way they use microbes to uh, to, to, to absorb them and whatnot and to get and to get them uh, uh, the nutrient into the plant. Uh, it's not they're not salt based. No. Um, do they make the bud taste just as good as no till? Uh, I don't want to be all controversial and whatnot, but I've tasted some really amazing bottled. I'm thinking of like uh, the guy that won a uh, shout out to Cody that won the first cannabis cup um, with the bio biz where they have the uh, DGC cup. We're going to get some lawyers up in here. Oh shit. I'm sorry, man. The DGC <laughs> cup, man. But we were at the cannabis cup, right? Um, 
but but what what was that one he had, man? It was something like Death Valley cheese he had. And it was an organic Death Valley cheese grown with BioBiz bottled nutrients, but they're organic bottled nutrients, and it yeah. had that flavor that I'm looking for. It it really did have a wonderful flavor. Um, so yeah, they're they're, they're not garbage by any means. Um, the no till. And is he asking for the difference between no-till? And, yeah, okay. So no-till is when you're just trying to put or at least a nutrient-dense soil. I'm trying to load my soil up with a bunch of nutrients that are going to release and break down different times, you know. Some are going to break down sooner than others, and I'm going to use the microbes to to uh, release them. And then I'm going to try to refortify it. with. Yeah, And this is new to me, too. We refortify it, and you know, I'm going to use castings, constantly be adding a little more castings as they break the microbes, break the organic material down. Um, that's what I think. No-till means you don't disturb the soil. You just leave it. You know, you do, there's, it relies on these fungal, what are they, hyphae or mice? I don't even know. You're talking to a guy that doesn't know the difference between a mycelium from a hyphae. But uh, it, I, they are hyphae, man. They, uh, it's these fungal hyphae. There's these strands that go around and, you know, they might, like we were talking, they might grow through a... Uh, a springtail and grab some nutrition from them or a couple thousand or a couple million springtails uh, and grab some nutrition from them. But they're all connected. It's like this big web that's all connected. And if you go till the soil, you fuck up the web and you fuck up the nutrient delivery system big time. The network is torn. Yeah. You can't. I'm looking at some power lines outside my house, man. You rip over those power lines, man. You could have as good of substations as you want, man. You could have all the money, all the money put into them as you want, man. If the power can't get transferred because you ripped over the lines, good luck, man. You know. Like uh, said, did you answer? It goes. Can microbiology be sustained in 100% cocoa? I mean, yeah, as long as you got roots in there and some food and yep. that kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why you know we re- refortify. With yeah, if you if you have a nice I don't know 100% cocoa I don't know about man it's that's a sterile soil 100% cocoa is a sterile soil you got to use some earthworm castings maybe even a little biochar in there but just some place for them to live and and hang out man uh, so but I, well I guess 100% cocoa you're introducing microbiology though right it can live in there if you're going to introduce it in there as long as yeah it's got a food source and something to go with. Other than yeah. mycorrh- mycorrhizae needs the needs the rhizosphere, right? Yeah, that's definitely. But I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, a recharge in there is going. Yeah, well, I guess that's why we do always. I don't really give a shit about how long it's going to live. I just keep on reinoculating, reinoculating, dumping more in there. More biology. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with liquid organics. I mean, it just gets to the point eventually. Um, as I say in this, one reason I wouldn't mind cutting some of it out is it's just a, such a plastic world. It's just depressing at times and i got it is two kiddos too so i'm exposed to it a bit more than some of other other people out there but um if you're doing all that stuff where you're like hey man i'm into organics and i'm buying plastic bottles of organics i just don't see why maybe you take a couple steps deeper and you buy some you know some of the raw ingredients you know i can buy these big giant bags of these raw ingredients you know or you know or whatever even the the paper box the down the earth that is a paper box which i hate to say it but i like that yeah it does have a plastic bag inside it damn it but a, li- a little bit less of a footprint um yeah so i don't know something about just buying those amendments and putting those amendments in and letting them break down in the soil and not shipping water from you know all over the country or shit isn't biobiz from spain Shipping water from Spain, it's kind of crazy. What are we Perrier a here? Bit. What's that? 
I said, what are we, like Perrier here? What's going on? <laughs> the worst is that Fiji water with like the pretty art on the back of the bottle or whatever. No, no, it's good, man. It's we good. steal water from Fiji. Yes, man. So, uh, St. Francis. Seen a, you've seen a fucking Netflix video and you think you're an expert, huh? I got you. I got you. I'm going to paraphrase. Paraphrase. Jeez, mm, oh, man. That sounds delicious. Paraphrase. Paraphrase. There we go. For St. Francis here, sir. Basically, um, thanks for chiming in as well. He's, he's into, you know, getting into this no-till. It's all hot action organics and recharge. And he's worried about, he's been using uh, bio-ags full pow. And he's like, how much fulvic is in recharge? Can you give me like a, an estimate? Like, do I need to use another fulvic if I'm using recharge? Should that be the sole source? Because fulvic is in there, correct? It's, it's not much. It's like between 3 and 5% somewhere around there. Yeah, no worries. It's just it's a, when you read something on the label, um, you, so you actually have on the label like the percentage listed out. Do yeah, I think they made me do that. Regardless, yeah, it's just making sure you're not doing too many duplications if you're trying to simple simplify your regimen. But that bioag full power, um, they got some good shit. Um, he's got that TM seven, that's uh, the powdered humic acid, which I believe is pretty concentrated. So. Keep kicking it, man. They make some good things. And a uh, good question when you're trying to come up with duplications in products. When you think, Absolutely. oh, everything's kelp. What do you got in your store here? 75% kelp products. <laughs> anyway. All right. Got it, man? Two more questions? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Two more questions. Let's see here. What? I don't. I don't know when I like the title of a question saying, what might be wrong here? Okay. All right, let's see here. Maggie's Farm, 420. Yeah. Long-time listener, first-time grow questionnaire. All right. And what is she? Well, Maggie's Farm, I don't know if it's, a he, it's he or she. When I said they think Maggie's, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But um, they won something recently. They won the last contest. Uh, I think vape it was pen. the Source Vapes. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So let's see here. Basically, going into none of the other, he's got a white widow runt. It's had problems since seedling days. I should have dumped it early, but I fought it hard, so I couldn't let it go. I've heard I've done that before. It's like kill the runt. No, we'll make it work. Um, all of my his tent conditions are good and relative humidity well inside desired parameters. He's got an array of cobs CXB thirty five nineties from Timber nice. Grow Lights. Okay, That's shit, they're. Man. T- they're taking the full spread of cutting edge solutions, so decent newts, plus recharge and mammoth pea. He goes, none of the other five plants um, look or have are showing these brown streaks in all the leaves. All the plants are in three gallon cocoa, earthworm castings, perlite, good to go, hempies. They could be a little root bound due to an extended veg time. I've been fighting a small fungus gnat problem on and off. Okay, it's the runt, man. I'm gonna go with. I mean, if you have an issue with the plant, you already know it's the runt. What am I seeing here? See that picture? There's a little bit of, uh, I don't want to call it burn, canoeing. And but this is, he's, so he's already flowering this thing, though. Oh, yeah, for one. Yeah, so I'm saying basically you're having a problem, man. When you can, if you have a garden of five, six other plants, one plant showing signs of, of this or that, I mean, I hate to say, oh, it's just a runt, kill it. Could be a way you're feeding it in comparison to the other ones. But, you know, I would, wouldn't adjust anything too much for the other ones because if everything else is happy, that's when I usually just kill something, but I get it. He didn't have the heart to kill it. Right. It's like taking on the... the but these the same, same genetics and this one's just a runt is what's happening? 
Well, no, he has uh, some other genetics. He goes, none of the other five plants, which are two white widow, two white queen, and one iced grapefruit, are showing these brown streaks. So, I don't know. Do you see those brown streaks in the picture? I don't know if that's yeah, nutrient or... Uh, it almost looks like it could be a hunger to me. I, that's why I hate leave questions, man. It's like, unless I'm the gardener, <laughs> it's hard sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I'm so. looking. There's not a ton of nitrogen in there. It's not like, you know, sometimes you see things are super, super dark, so there's not a ton of nitrogen in there. And uh, But it is translocating, meaning that it's it's moving. You know, that nitrogen used to be green, and now it's it's taking that green and going elsewhere, so it needs it. Yeah. Well, I would remove the leaves that are damaged, and uh, if you can figure out a way with your regimen to potentially, I'm not going to say you're overfeeding, maybe feed that plant a little more. Maybe some of you guys chime in on uh, over on tootandgrows.com. You guys didn't have any comments. Actually, this was just out yesterday, so we were almost caught up, Scotty. We were almost right. caught up with, I believe, one more Grow Talk question. If you guys have dug this show... And like the long-winded grow talk, which won't be happening all the time, it is a little bit of work. Believe me, I have not had lunch yet, so oh, I'm, man. I'm grumbling. Um, <laughs> rumbling, I called it grumbling. Combining growling I tell you, you got kids, man. I'm fucking uh, hungry. <laughs> Check it out, man. Don't, uh, don't forget, you guys can do one-time donations over at dudegrows.com. Become a member. Get your 30% off and recharge. Uh, membership issues, some that we're having are pretty much all been straightened out. We got good wet support over there on the contact us. Um, we've all been chiming in and handling Absolutely. any issues. It's all through PayPal on the up and up cancel anytime and enjoy the benefits. So as well as feel like you're giving back if we helped you grow, I know it's tough too, man. I feel like I'm like the guy on NPR getting out your wallet can be a hard thing, <laughs> but, uh, man, make it happen. <laughs> support what you believe in. All right. <laughs> Support what you believe in. Absolutely. Well said, dude. Last one here before I get to play Wild Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Root Rot Revisited from Waze oh, Ted. Oh, no. Okay. Hey, dude and Scotty. Firstly, let me say thank you for all you do for the cannabis community. Without active people out there telling it like it is, we wouldn't continue to make the progress we're seeing year after year. Appreciate it. Oh, shucks. Thank you. Recently did my first indoor grow and decided deep water culture was the easiest thing for me. Researching the message boards and listening to the show enabled me to make my first time a resounding success. I know you had a similar question on the show recently. and My situation is pretty much the same. I'm going to tear everything down and start as for new. Uh, the hardware goes. But as far as my plants, the question is this. Had anyone ever bought a baby girl back to 100% health after fighting root rot? Is it a winnable battle? Ugh, winnable battle. Yeah, it is. Root rot, it guys. Is definitely. Hydro or deep water culture systems where roots are constantly submerged. Get that brown slime on it. And like just plant growth isn't all that great. And you can feel it and the roots aren't good. They're not firm. Oh, they're slimy and yep, nasty. Slimy. And it usually, so, in deep water culture, it's usually caused by having too hot of temperatures. You really have to keep those temperatures down so pathogens don't grow in the water. Or peeing in the reservoir after you've read the book. Oh, so man, are four, you sure? <laughs> no. I have four or five-gallon buckets all connected by three-fourth valves and lines. I use one for a res and let it flow to the others as gravity does its job. I cleaned everything and put it back together two days ago. And then had heard your show talking about this, so I went and bought new stones and lines. When I went to replace them, the rot was back and in force already. Damn, that's quick. 
Hey, yeah, real part, quick for for, yeah. for uh, stones, buy glass stones. They're made out of like a, I don't know some kind of glass or something like that. Crushed glass, but you can clean those. So instead of having to throw them out and start over, um, like I used to go to this aquatic ecos aquatic ecosystems, which is a fish store, but you can find like aquarium stores that have really good air pumps and air stones, and uh, they have these ones I can't remember silica or glass or something like that. But uh, you can just put them in a little bit of muriatic acid, the same kind of stuff you get to uh, for swimming pools so anywhere where there's a swimming pool store i think even walmart or whatever you can buy that stuff and you can clean your uh your your air stones really good with that make them brand new again hell yeah good point uh some of the cheaper ones too don't handle different types of newt salt bait newts and things you're using right so yeah, for four or five bucks you can get a huge one any size you want maybe seven or eight bucks for a you know, six inch air stone and uh yeah size it with a correct pump and you're good to go because the odd part again, here is that I don't I don't use air stones, bro. I use my Dewey Mister because because I don't need to start fucking with acid and all that shit. The Dewey Mister never clogs, man. Shout out to my boy. <laughs> nice. This is true. Because the odd part here is two of my babies have almost black roots already, and I can see dark mold looking stuff starting to grow in the res bucket. But one of the plants, and not the last one in the chain, has a root mass white as snow. Interesting, because it is recirculating, right? Yeah, um, that's crazy. I do plan on ditching everything tomorrow and starting over except for the one, but do you have any idea on how this could happen? Same strain all the way through, so this could just be a genetic anomaly, anomaly yeah. that is super <laughs> resistant. I was trying to correct before you could say some shit. It's root rot. I really can't come up with any other explanation. All right. Are you running enzymes, enzymes, and water temperature? Yeah, I could, what I'm thinking is, is one closer to the air conditioner? Is one somewhere where that water temperature is a degree or two lower? Are they all recirculating? If they're all recirculating, then I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking there's got to be something environmental to that specific uh, a cell right there. That's keeping it a little bit cooler or just right on the cusp of where everything else is getting getting the the, the rot and it's not. Dude, think? I've seen in your picture here, like if that's your picture, like it's not it's not a total loss yet. Like he's got some good looking roots. He's just got this funk he's got to take care of on him. Like I've definitely revived plants that have had, you know, that much root rot. So Tyler water temperature uses recharge, homie. You know, <laughs> check that out. You could pour some recharge from the top through there get it on there the uh the bacteria are gonna bond and then them fuckers are gonna start eating and they love that slime yeah or you could do a uh, like a five gallon uh bucket of recharge you could dip your plants in and like mm -hmm. do a little bit of a site selection like and then put them back in your system another thing would be man if you're not running an enzyme if you have a local hydro store if you're looking online so products i i know i've used uh canazyme's good biocozyme but the um, enzyme's even, just breaking it down for something to digest it. You know, you still got to have something to eat it after it's halfway broken down. It doesn't disappear. No, I would run like heavy ends. I would do like, I would tell people, I think, you know, I, double, I, I was going to say double check, but run it stronger. Like if it's asking for a teaspoon per gallon, I'd almost run it at t 10 mils, double strength right. for a couple of light right. cycles, drain the res. So it's kind of, and then you're, I guess in the res drain is where you're getting rid of the matter. But, um. That would and be they it, have, it, if you're running a sterile environment. I mean, they've got fucking chlorine shit that you can use or hydrogen peroxide yeah, that you that's can not use. As nice. Just completely yeah. sterilize the roots if you want to just start with a clean slate. I think an enzyme which can work in conjunction with a beneficial bacteria would be definitely. a way to go. Definitely does. All right, I recharge man. it up, man. Myself, recharge it up. Yeah, what a surprise.
Just but don't you'd leave. You'd be surprised how it'll eat that slim. <laughs> don't leave recharge and DWC. That I mean, no. you could if if you were like a pro and it was like sixty eight degrees and ultimate recirculating or something. No, nah, it's going to brew over everywhere, and it's it's not. That's not that's not what it's for. I hurry up. All right, let's wrap it up, man. Let's do uh, put it in the bag. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the extended show. Don't forget to tell your fellow growers, your hydroponic stores, check out the Dude Grow Show. Get yourself some recharge up in the store or order it over at realgrowers.com, over on Amazon. Get it prime, man, prime time if you need it that way. And But check out Real Growers, man. Scotty's been trying to expand the store a little bit. Don't forget to look in the Nug Vault. Uh, we, you just did add, I believe, there's also going to be some RX Green Solutions in the Nug Vault shortly. Yeah, so, it, should, it should be happening as we speak, man. Oh, and the Harpen Axiom, the Axiom Harpen Protein is coming over to me. That will be in the Nug Vault as well soon. I was actually on the horn with them, and they said, what do you think you guys would want up in there? And I said, if there's one product I want the growers to try, it would be that Axiom Harpen Protein. So. Yeah, man. Whereas I was listening to something, and I, they, they said the word Axiom. And I was like, huh, that's a word, man. That means something. This reminds me like Axe Body Spray. Yeah, man. That's your that's your scent, dude. I got it. I'm you, working, you don't leave the house I'm working on it. a deal. Axiom Body Spray. The suit the scent is called dude. Yeah, man. Like I said, my scent's called the Dutch, man. It's coming out for Christmas. Take it easy, guys. Check out everything at dudegrows.com. Go take a look around if you haven't and just say, hey, even if you don't want to log in or participate, we appreciate the uh, the, the, the the traffic. I guess I'm just going to call it the traffic, man. Be official with it. Yeah, look at you. I don't know. It does sound kind of cheesy. We appreciate you coming over and hanging yeah, out with us. I don't us. appreciate the traffic, man. I appreciate the activity, the interaction, the community, the love, Synergy. the growers' love, man. That's what I appreciate. All right, like Jared synergy. Tubbs, Microbes have synergy, man. All right, we've got growers' love in the DGC, man. All right, I got to get these headphones off, yo. Peace out, guys. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. Episode three, four, four, dude. Grow show. Take her easy, dude. Later.
Northern Lights. Northern Lights.